0: Hmm. if you if you want to sort it out fight me you didn't fight me you could have fought me and you didn't if you want to fight me here I am let's have a fight let's do it on the cobbles if you want forget boxing let's do it outside you're starting to say all these big words and starting to take it as disrespect Threats about anything that went on in the pre-fights and all the news conferences negative
1: I'm good I beat Polly I left with his belt and his girl
0: Congratulations on winning the title. Ollie, come on in. Hey, I'm just saying, you lost. I the
1: I I the yeah. Hey, and welcome back to the number one podcast in the sport where, well, Anthony Joshua is our last hope for the salvation of boxing against the hordes of MMA fighters. So, let's pray that he gets the job done against Francis Ngannou, which leaves a lot of people on the horns of a dilemma. So, all those anti-Femi guys are debating whether they want him to lose and then that means that they can say Joshua lost or whether they want him to win and defend boxing. I don't know which way it's going to go but I'm back in Team Femi. I think 2024 is my, my full year of becoming a feminist. Um, look, who on episode 200? Yeah, I know. Everyone's waiting for a while. Um, you know, patience is key. So, Wanted to give you an episode that I felt would be a good, good end point. Yeah. And then also a gateway to hopefully a new and better beginning. Right. And to do that, I had to go right back to the source, the source code, the foundation, Genesis, um, chapter one, verse one. You know, Martin Theobald, the man without whom I might not be doing this myself. So it was nice to walk down memory lane with Martin. Um, you already know what happens when, when we all reunite. So the energy is always on point. There are no edits because, you know, when you go back as far as we do and it always feels like we've known each other longer, you don't need to edit. It just kind of flows naturally. So it's a bit of a rollercoaster. This, this episode is definitely a, a retrospective. If you're looking for deep insight into whether Edgar Belanger will fight Canelo Alvarez, hey, there'll be an episode on that at some point, I'm sure. But for now, just enjoy it, just a, a reminisce and a chance to actually hear me talk about things in ways you can't necessarily do when you're helming a podcast on your own. So I think you guys will enjoy this. Um as always, I appreciate the support, the love, the people who have stuck by me through all of these episodes. I am so grateful. It's, it's, it's a privilege, actually. Um, and hopefully you'll stick with me for the rest of this adventure, wherever it may take us, because, look, you know, all we've got is us right now. So, without further ado, let's go.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit offended, Terry. I'm not getting, uh, I'm not privy to the part of uh, the number one podcast in the sport. Where, but you know, I'll have to live with that. I'll, I'll get it in the post production, right? <laughs> I all these years, Wait, I all mean, these I... years, all these years, I don't even get the the number one in the sport. Where. <laughs>
1: I, mean, I can't. Now that you've said that, I can't even think of one.
0: Like, shit, what the fuck do I say? Nah, nah, nah. It goes in post production. It's fine. It's fine. We'll work that. Yeah, I've got to have my eggs first. It help. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to start this off though with. I know it's your podcast, but I'm here as a guest, and it is my honor and my privilege to be your guest on your 200th podcast from the journey that we've been on from our old new age boxing days and i've been lucky enough to sort of make the transfer from involvement to listener and i can only thank you i genuinely thank you as well for the hundreds of hours that you've given me on commutes on walks on through lockdown out of lockdown all of that stuff that i speak on behalf of me and how many people listen to say thank you for sort of providing that and how hard it is to do that as one person on a podcast for hundreds of hours i'm going to come on to a little quiz at the end that i've i've created <coughs> which give people a, a flavor of the areas covered over those sort of 199 episodes plus the high field boxing episodes before that so it is well over 200 but thank you terry for having me on your 200th But also there were many other people that um, that would equally do, you know, as good a and probably better job than I would, such as Danny Watley and Porky Russ and all those people that um, that would, you know, equally match what I will discuss with you.
1: But mate, a hundred percent. Number one, thank you because and like, yeah, you know, I don't want to make this sound like it's scripted because it's not. I was looking back today when I said, like, like, let me get my prep nailed. And I was going through various episodes, and I remember just thinking about all the moments in my life away from boxing where I was just able to use that to keep my head together. I remember there was a time I was working, and it would have been about mid-2020, and I knew there was an assassination attempt on me at work. Not not JFK style, but you know where people are trying to make you take the fall for stuff you haven't done. And... Like the pod and just the reaction and the the friendship built through that. Yeah, I mean, that's what kind of held it together because that was the only thing in my life at that point because you're going through a pandemic and all this. That was the only thing in my life where I was like, I know what this is going to do. And everything else was just this huge bucket of uncertainty. And I think we've almost kind of glossed over, just as a society, we've glossed over that four years ago, we shut the damn country down. Um, we shut the damn country down in three years ago, and here's this is the thing that still trips me out Three years ago, people were talking about forcible vaccinations like that's just a normal thing you do in a society and I think what the pod hopefully has been able to do is stick to what 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 we what we always said we'd do at new age and it was always about making boxing accessible. It was always about saying, don't let these promoters hide the reality from you. Don't let them tell you a story that's not true. And that's why like and I'm sure you do as well. I love watching Hearn interviews because I love going, I know he's listening. Because there was one my favorite Hearn one was he was talking about Connor Ben and I was like this is when I knew the pod was was worth it. Cause every time that Connor Ben fought, i just feel like, yeah Hearn's gonna talk about Crawford, Spence, Jerome Ennis, he's gonna talk <clears throat> about the best guys and then we're going to see Conor against someone dead like Algieri or Maurice Hooker. And later that week, Hearn does an interview. And he was like, I know people say that I just mentioned all these big names around Conor Ben, and, you know, as if they're going to find that. I just give him Maurice Hooker. But that's because I do do that. And I was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. this guy. <laughs> but just like with New Age, he knows the minute he mentions the name, the listenership goes up. Like he's almost sealing his own doom. So he actively goes, I'm not going not gonna to give him oxygen. Him and Coogan, um, they've got that in them. That kind of, it's strategic, but it's also quite bitchy, isn't it? Of going, no, no, we'll consume the content, but we're going to pretend that we don't. But it's an each to their own. But sometimes I sit down and I go, maybe I've done enough of this. Maybe I've got stale. And I do, I go, fucking hell, what, What can boxing give? And then it will always find a way to shoot itself in the foot. And I know, right, I've still got some mileage left.
0: Yeah, you've discussed sort of, um, and I've gone back through the episodes, I haven't listened back to all 200, I've got to be honest, it's, uh, no, 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 no. it's more I've sort of browsed through the uh, the listings of 200, I've listened to a few of them, um, but there was an episode where you were talking about sort of bringing it to an end at some point, and waiting for some other sort of younger bucks to come along and, and take over podcasting, and it's still not happened. No, it wasn't. like. Look, I remember when
1: people were giving Charlie Parsons shit, right? And it it mostly came from a place of envy as far as I'm concerned. People were jealous that Charlie Parsons gets to do what they wish they could do. And I was happy. I was like, yeah, this guy's 20 years old. Cool. Go and do your thing. Umar Ahmed, when he was a young lad, I was happy for these kids because I was like, at least there's a pipeline of people coming through. Um, In Umar's case, he's got that same energy we've got of, listen, I'm I'll ask the tough questions when I can. So credit to him. So when I saw those young guys coming through, there was a young kid, Harley Marshall as well, who I thought would have done something. And I think, you know, he's just become a young man, drink, women, exercise. And so one of the things, Martin, and you'll know this, the average age of a boxing fan goes up every year. Yep. So, yep it's it's hard to tempt kids to do this stuff because number one, they don't want to spend the years building the relationships, right? They just want to be able to jump in and go batshit crazy from day one. And you're like, that's not how the game works. Like you've got you've to gotta know what you can get away with in boxing. Because if you don't, you'll find yourself frozen out quickly. Like, look, I've done all of these episodes. I don't believe I've ruined one relationship that I take seriously. Like, I think some could be better and we'll discuss that later. I think some could be better but it's not to do with the podcast. It's more to do with just the nature of the beast of boxing.
0: So what were your goals? Oh, I don't want to make this into a Q and a of, uh, of Terry, but I, it sort of, it feels like a good point to reflect upon 199 episodes that you've done. Plus the, the ones prior to that, but like, what were the goals when you sort of set out our new age stuff sort of comes to an end Bit of a break, it time away ends. from it.
1: The new age never ends. As well, right. degrees of pause.
0: <laughs> we put it in the parking bay for a little bit, um, and then sort of setting off on your own journey with it. Like, was there a goal? And if there was, how defined was it? And how variable could it be? So, so
1: the first part, I think, if, if you look at the first ninety-two episodes, which were like the beautiful boxing podcast, I was kind of just trying to work out. What works for me, what works for the audience, and you're, you know, what do they call it, like product market fit? And you're you're moving from one point to another. Um, I remember when I did the thing about Bobby Jordan, which is the Billy Joe thing, and I was like, does the storytelling thing work? Sometimes we don't do too much of it. And then by the time I did Beyond Boxing, that's why I changed the name because I said everyone else does boxing. Spencer Oliver does boxing. Coogan Cassius does boxing. They all do boxing. And it's quite a linear thing, so you've got a load of pigs in the trough, yeah, and there's not enough what do they call it swill to go around. I don't know what it is, but there's not enough to go around, and you're seeing that in the numbers. And so I said, let me let me just be frank, and there's some stuff I'm never going to talk about because if you want to hear about that, you jump on IFL. And then I was like, but there's some stuff where I'm like, there's an angle here. there's an angle here that can give the fans a different perspective. And once they get a different perspective, Hopefully, the discussion will change online, in person, wherever. That was really the goal, was to kind of move that. And I accepted I was never going to do the mass market numbers that other people are chasing. In fact, no one's ever done mass market numbers in a boxing pod. (laughs) There's an entire episode on it. (laughs) (laughs) So no one's ever done that, right? So (laughs) I said, I'm going to take my crowd with me. And so in my head, I've always, this is, so when people say to me, who's your target audience? And this is where I thank Jordan Foster. Um, Really smart man, like Jesus Christ. When it comes to all of this kind of branding stuff, (laughs) that guy needs to write a book. So he said, what are you really about? And I said, I want to do a pod for people I could sit down and have a beer or coffee with if you don't drink. That's really what I want. Now, I could make it provocative and I could reveal inside secrets. I could really, you know, blow a hole in boxing. But then I'm going to alienate the people I'd quite like to sit down and have a drink with. Look, just through doing the pod, I have a better relationship with guys like Eddie Lamb, Adam Martin, um, and the rest of the Fitzroy Lodge elders as I look at them. Apart from maybe Nigel Travis, who doesn't really (laughs) like me. (laughs) But I've got better relationships with them. I've got better relationships with some of the people from my coaching past. like Because I think people have just realized that's just who he is. And it's a chance for me to say, look, don't worry about any gossip behind the scenes. Anything you want to know about what I think about X, Y, Z, I will say it on here. And you know me, I show <laughs> up to events. I don't back away. I don't hide. I'm not doing this from home, hoping that I don't get held to account. So that's also... Um, a consideration but it's really I wanted to make something for people I could sit down and have a beer or coffee with that's really that was the audience I went after and I think we've we've got it and I know we've got it because sort of the other types of fans love to hate on it
0: I need to hold you to account though too. I'm not just here yeah. for like a, yeah. a smoke blowing exercise <laughs> uh, there was one episode something you just said in there about you could reveal the inner secrets and blow the holes in yeah. boxing there was one episode you did talking about Steve Bunce, Um never reveals the inner secrets. He sort of alludes to it, but never talks about it. Yeah. Um, how do you square that off, though? If, if if he's sort of guilty and culpable of not doing it, should you? But I think we're in different places in the spectrum. Steve's constrained by the fact that
1: he needs to make money, right? And because Steve knows where all the bodies in British boxing are, (laughs) he's well paid, right? But for me, it's more, I'll speak up when I feel there's a lie. So I don't need to titillate and I don't need to be a tabloid. That's not really my lane. There are other outlets for that that do it really well. I'm not a tabloid. So where I feel there's a lie, where I'm like, hold on, what they're telling us isn't making any sense, Hmm. then... I'll tear into that like you do. I mean, like, like we we're, were cut from the same cloth. Where does where someone lies? But if if there's no lie, if someone says, "Look, I can't speak about it," and there's a legit reason why they can't, I'll just be like, "Okay, leave it." I know what the reason is. I know what the situation is, but I'll leave it. But let's go. I'll give you a prime example of this. Remember when they announced Conor Ben versus Chris Eubank, and Doctor Az started talking immediately, and I said <laughs> at the time. <laughs> this is going to come back to haunt this guy. This, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen, right? And people are like, what, what, what? Fast forward a few weeks, fails the test. But I knew why Dr. Az had been brought in, right? And I only talked about it when the test was failed. And I was like, okay, now let's have the discussion. But I knew why Dr. Az had been brought in. I knew Dr. Az had been brought in because the test had been failed. And then remember, if you remember, when Hearn comes out and goes Connor Ben's failed a test, I tweeted, Eddie, can you confirm that is only one failed test?
0: Yeah, yeah you did.
1: Yeah, that radio silence. Because I knew. And and that's what I mean. Like, you've got to know when and how to do it. I can't just be fully tabloid <clears throat> and going, Um, these two boxes met up in my and it kicked off or anything stupid. Like that's that's not it's not what we do. Do you see what I mean? Like we we, we deal with the the sport itself and the business around the sport and all of that. But the the titillation, there are other platforms for that.
0: And also, you know, I'm sure you do as much as I do. Get told lots of things that aren't verified. (laughs) That If you came on and recorded it and sort of said, you know, without saying who told me, I'm going to tell you X, Y, and Z. Um, The amount of bullshit stories that happen within people in boxing, like your WhatsApp gets full of it. And I think... Nah, like, there will be people that do that. But going back to your point about you'll only call out what's a lie, my favourite episode you've ever done was the Conor Ben-Piers Morgan episode. <laughs> like, that whole entire episode was... I, I must have listened to it two or three times back and recommended to, you know, people who, you, people who know you've got an interest in boxing... And they sort of say, oh, what do you reckon about this Connor Bend stuff? The amount of people have just said, look, I'll send you a link. Go and listen to this. That'll tell you what I think about it. Because everything you said was bang on throughout it. So I'm trying to remember if that was like
1: a, what day was it? Was it a Monday? I'm trying to think. Because I, I remember, like, I'd been out, right? And I've come in. It's about nine o'clock-ish. And so I've just missed, I think I just missed it being played. And so I thought, let me go and, go and see this thing. And it started, and the way he talked, I said, "Oh no, 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 no! This guy's about to get—he's about to—he's about to bless me with some great content." <laughs> so I, so I said, let me not watch it. I'm going to queue it up, yeah, on my phone. I'm going to record as I'm watching this, and then when I need to stop and speak, I'm going to do that. And <clears> I just couldn't make an absolute car crash, and. I would love someone to sit down with Connor and go, when did you between the fake 270-page document and that interview, when did you decide that was a good idea? <laughs> like you know all of boxing is watching. When did you think that was a good idea, Connor Ben? Because it wasn't. And but I think I, I alluded to the I said this is where we're gonna end up. If you remember when it first kicked off, I said we're gonna get to the point where he shaves that beard off. He's going to put the Rolls Royce away. (laughs) And then he's going to be international school educated Conor Ben. And I said, at some point, we're going to get the mental health thing and the suicide thing. I was like, this is all going to happen because they just dig up these same dead playbooks all the time in the hope that they work. And I said, "This this isn't 2019. Boxing fans have been through too much. And maybe we'll touch on this later. But those episodes with Larry, I don't think people really understand. What they did because I didn't understand what we set off when we first recorded that.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I said that episode just in general. I can tell you there's an element of it where you're talking about nerding out on how the Egyptians are sort of harnessed gravity for certain things, and and like that's how many times I've listened to it. I've listened to the bits that got nothing to do with boxing whatsoever, just of. The general commentary, I say genuinely that is my favourite. But what's your favourite one? What's the best one that you feel you've ever recorded? There are two I've
1: genuinely loved recording. Um, the first one was Larry. Because if you remember, like on New Age, we'd kind of hinted at this doping stuff. And that was the first time where it was like, I'm not talking about anything else, right? And I found a dance partner in Larry who got it. And so yeah. I think we were able to feed off each other and just elevate it and if you listen to that two hours 50 something minutes you never saw sport the same not not just boxing you didn't see sport the same again after that and when it first came out it didn't do amazing numbers and then it started to filter through right and i knew it was filtering through because of the dms i was getting from people in boxing i was like oh oh we've we've done something here and it would just keep going and going and going and going and going. Like six, seven weeks after it was recorded, it's still churning over 500 spins a week. I'm like, what? And all of a sudden you're seeing, the, you're seeing it on Twitter, you're seeing it on social media, people now talking more about the doping and being more precise. I'm like, oh my God, we did this. And I take great pride in that because no one else was willing to do it. And in fact, no one has been willing since everyone's had an opportunity to do it and there are probably people who know more than I do that avoid this because it affects their paycheck and the second one I enjoyed was when we did our lockdown one so that new age reunion when we did it, was it April 2020? I know the
0: the episode I don't know the date
1: that one there I love that because I knew, I was like I was like, this is gonna land well. You know, when you're recording and you're like, now nah, this is gonna land well. Um, yeah, th- I, it just that felt. It, it's that kind of. You know, they talk about flow state now. Don't that's the new thing to talk about. <laughs> it it required no thought to deliver that episode, and you know, people can say it's a function of lockdown. Maybe people had more time, but I feel that kind of reactivated and reconnected people and went, yeah, you know, because. If we went back to doing new UH age full-time, people would just be like, it ain't like it used to be. Like, you you could never, ever beat your past, man. The past is undefeated because it's already happened. And if we did go weekly, people would just be like, ah, it's not like it used to be because they'd just be looking for reasons to feel validated in their feelings. But when you pop up out of nowhere in a time of crisis and you can entertain and engage and make people think, that's your job done. And... They're the two that I've really, really, really enjoyed from a, you, you, I mean, recording's done and you just smile, and you're buzzing. Like you almost want to go for a run after those. Um, there, there are others that I've enjoyed for different reasons. So Larry 2, I enjoyed because it gave Larry an opportunity to, to clap back at people who were trying to discredit him. And that's why we gave it enough time because <clears throat> we knew Vada would do what they needed to do. Um, the second one with Denzel, so when we're talking after the Felix Cash one, where some people say hey, that was a bit uncomfortable, but it it, it, it wasn't uncomfortable to me. I, I did reflect it, but maybe I went too far, but as I said to Denzel, I said, sometimes I've got to look out for you as an older brother, right? and I've got to be that voice in your ear that says, look, everyone around you is getting a percentage of what you earn. They're not going to rock that boat. You need someone that's just going to say, hey, maybe you need to take control of your career. Maybe you need to do a little bit more. Maybe you need to demand more of yourself. And through demanding more for yourself, you will demand more from others and you will become better. And he became better, you know? And I was happy about that. Um, the the Umar one where he announced his retirement, that was heart-wrenching, actually, because like, I know what he'd been through to... To get there, and one that doesn't get talked about enough but should was the episode I did with Shakiba. Can't get many women on; it's a shame. Like one day I should get Brooke on because I do need you need a female voice in there because their perspective is just as important. But if you remember that episode, I split it into two parts. But that was the first time we got hints that SAS who dares wins was rigged, and then what followed on with Aunt Middleton and so forth went to show. Cause she, cause from how she was telling the story, she was comfortable, man. She's like, I could have won that, and they pulled me out because they knew who they wanted to win. And I found that really interesting. So there, there are a few where I have an emotional connection, but the first Larry one for for where it went, and it went everywhere in boxing. Yeah, it went <clears throat> everywhere. And then the one that we did, just because, um, it would be like Roy Keane playing at Old Trafford, like. <laughs> you, you know, it's true. It's just like Roy playing at Old Trafford. There's so much meaning in that, that is unsaid and unseen. But when you get the chance to do it, you'll always do it for that feeling. That's the best way I can describe it.
0: And that Larry one, right? I often think this, when I see stuff from Larry, uh, I always think back to that episode and the fallout from it was, to me, like as an observer of it, it was that it needed to be discredited by people involved in the sport. Larry needed to be discredited. You know, what is he? He's a bloke who failed drugs test. Of course he's bitter about it. What is he? He's a man who sort of, yeah, he knows about drugs. Maybe he shouldn't have done it. Yeah, what is he? It was all those things that made me think, well, people have sat up and taken notice. Because there would be no need to discredit a man if you didn't care for what he said.
1: It's the problem we have, it's not just a boxing problem, it's a life problem. You know I always say to people, listen to the message first. If the message makes sense to you, receive it. If the message doesn't make sense initially, then go, is the messenger someone who should be talking about this? Are they well placed to talk about it? If the answer to that is yes, then you still have to take that message on board. You can manage it how you want, but you've got to take that message on board. Larry was the guy. Who the hell is going to talk about doping if they've never failed a test? Uh, you know what, guys? I'm, I'm getting away with this. I've got all of these tricks and tactics to get away <laughs> with taking drugs in sport. I'm going to sit on a podcast and tell you how it's done. No, no one's going to do that. The people who are going to tell you how something works are the ones who get caught. And, this, and, and, and so here's the weird thing. People love these podcasts that like James English does, right? With... Do uh, they?
0: Yeah, they do,
1: do. Do they? Yeah, you know the people that drink Carling? Like people that drink car lager <laughs> <plaza, laughs> and have to have a curry every Friday. You know those sorts of people. <laughs> they love James English. And when James English gets these guys like Marvin Herbert on, no one ever goes, oh, mate, what you on here talking about? You got shot in the face. You got arrested, mate. You're not, you, know, you can't be a good criminal if you got arrested. No one ever does that. You accept their story because you say, no one's better placed to talk about this stuff than he is. Do you see what I mean? And people need to now respect Larry. And I'm glad that people now take Larry seriously. Because, like, who else was going to tell us? And look at the downstream effect now. Now everyone's watching out. Now now the stuff that people used to get away with saying is no longer believable. You're like, ah. You know, because, look. Marge, we're going to get this thing, aren't we? like why are they calling it the enhanced games, right? We're going to get that, aren't we?: Yes, what's going to happen when they juice all of these guys up? And they're still and they slower? To the world
0: records <laughs> I often think this it'd be amazing. You're saying Bolt still holds it after the enhanced game. then they're going to tell us, you see, we told you the drugs don't work. Okay, so why are they back? <laughs> yeah, yeah. it'll be oh, something man. else. So I am looking through, um, and I'll come on to some of the detail around it later, yeah. but I was looking through the, um, the track listings from sort of episode one through to today. What struck me about it, and I, I, this is where I want to get your view on it really from episode one through to today, there are no new stars. Boxing hasn't created any new stars. There is nobody you've done an episode titled about that didn't exist when episode one happened. And I find that quite mad. The boxing has failed to create anybody headline worthy within all that time.
1: So let's let's go back to, uh, it might have been that, that New Age reunion episode we did where we talked about People are just getting all the money they can before this recession kicks in, right? And we're seeing it now with Saudi, right? Essentially, Saudi is this last money grab. Like, these are the last suckers we can think of. We tried the UAE. We've tried Bahrain. These are the last suckers we can find. And that's no disrespect, though. I've just used that as a euphemism. These are the last suckers with money we can find. And once we've done this, it's a wrap, right? Because how many times are you hearing, Martin, oh, will you fight so-and-so? Hey, listen, if the Saudis want to put the money up, I'll fight him. It's like, no, no, you, you, you live here. Like, fight here. Well, they don't know who you are. Do you know what I mean? But, yep. but I look at that and I go, you know, like, how do you create stars when your goal is to maximise every event's value? Like, I look at <clears throat> I look at where Ben Shalom is right now. He has a real opportunity to really announce himself if he just lets his nuts hang and goes, we're going to do Fraser Clark versus Fabio Wardley. And we're going to do Vidal Riley versus Mikel LeWild. These are good fights. We're also going to do Dalton Smith versus Adam Azim, right? And then at the end of the year, we're going to do Ben Whittaker versus Carol Atalma. If we can get that this year, Ben Shalom suddenly says, I'm a serious player. because out of that group, one of those guys has to be a star. Your money's on Ben Whittaker right now, but don't sleep on Vidal Riley. Um, it's a challenge because obviously some of those cruiserweights are giants, but I think those giant cruiserweights are going to move up soon anyway. So that will leave Vidal in a good position to be fighting the guys of like the likes of Isaac and Chris billum Smith. And I think he can compete with those guys.
0: The name you mentioned in there, what you just said, really resonated about how do you create stuff if all you're trying to do is cash grab adam Azim, the name that sort of stuck out in there this week tweeting about um who is it was he's offering to fight in america i can't remember who it was um Keyshawn which davis. tells you an awful lot about that's it yeah me and you Kishon davis at wembley stadium on sky pay view and you're like mate i'm not even sure you'd fill wembley arena <laughs> let alone Wembley Stadium, and to start saying about, we'll do it on pay-per-view. What are you on about? I'm not saying that it's bad that you should have that aspiration, but have a realism that you've got to give us something. And it was one of the ones you talked about in one of the really early episodes that you did, where boxers are horrendous for taking, 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 and not giving anything back. And it might have been one of the beautiful boxing episodes rather than the beyond boxing, but either way... um, but again, it stuck with me throughout time. Is you talking about boxers want to take, 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 but give you nothing in return? Yeah. Do you remember that? That was Adam, during the pandemic. Was it?
1: Yeah, I remember that. Because w- name me something memorable a boxer did during the pandemic
0: um, Joseph Parker making videos with his family.
1: Probably as entertaining as he's ever been, to be fair. Um,
0: yeah, it's better than what he's done in the ring, but. Yeah.
1: But you, you look at that, right? My highlight of the whole lockdown, boxing content wise, was that exchange between Fabio Wardley and Eddie Hearn. It's like Fabio had like a van full of like dogs or something. And he says, hey, I'm just going to go and take the dogs for a walk. And they're planning his career while he's driving his dogs for a walk. And I remember just leaving that going, I really like Fabio Wardley. You know, I, th- I want this guy to, to cross over and become a star. That's the only time during the pandemic I was really excited by what someone
0: did. There was one that you referenced. I can't remember who it was. You said he'd done like a travel blog where, and that may have been pre-pandemic, but talking about his social media where he'd actually gone away and um, it's going to annoy me now who it was, but talking about actually they'd given an insight into their life and an insight into beyond the boxing elements of things, but actually what they do... And you've talked about it before about if you're the best dog breeder in the Northwest, talk about dog breeding. Get people on board that are dog breeders. Grow your audience that way. I'll share with you my frustration that um, I've done a, a handful of pieces this weekend with small hall boxers. Uh, people could probably guess who it's for because that's what I do is some <laughs> small hall boxing stuff. I think um, we fighters by any chance how do you know uh they're not all goodwin fighters but they're sh- they're fights that will be on goodwin shows six boxers in total one of them didn't turn up to this face-to-face thing out of the six of them um let's say one didn't turn up not one of the five who did had their sponsors names to hand and could like reel them off like that not one could give back to their sponsors who are giving them money to support their careers and how can I put this as politely as possible? The sort of head, the opportunity for them to have this head to head sort of conversation with an upcoming opponent. They were dull as fuck. Like they were really, really dull. Now it comes back to a frustration you and I have had for years. I think about what a box is doing to drive interest. The two biggest issues for boxers, ticket sales, gaining sponsors. They're the two things that give you money. They're the two things that build your careers. I've sat with six over the course of the weekend, which actually turned into five. The two things that could have built their careers they neglected to do.
1: I wouldn't have even done it, mate. I'd have said, listen, you, you lot ain't going nowhere anyway. I'd have told them straight, you lot ain't going nowhere anyway. Get used to it. Why? Because most, <laughs> most boxers are lazy as hell. Look, Ben Whittaker, Ben Whittaker showboats on a weekend, right? Two weeks later, he's modeling for Diesel in Milan. Now, that's what you call capitalizing. Now, people can call it the grift. And yes, it kind of is the grift. But he had a moment where he had the eyes of the public on him. And he's leveraged that into other stuff. Quick. Um, you gotta salute <laughs> Jordan Foster for that again. The, the man, the man sees he, Jordan Foster's living in a six-dimensional world where we're all in 3D right now. Because he saw that quick, made it happen. Um, and then I look at someone like Fabio Wardley, you mentioned this on Ring Talk. No promotional contract. This guy's just got his belts, and he's like, as long as I've got these belts, I can dictate terms. And I'm I love that. In addition to who Fabio Wardley is as a person, I love that people in the sport love Fabio because we've seen him grow. I remember him sparring John Palata, and John having his way with Fabio, and I was like, and I said to John, I said, John, I don't know if you're gonna be able to do that a year from now because this kid's like, remember the movie Tremors with Kevin? Yeah, <laughs> Fabio Wardley's like those worms. Like he just he just keeps learning. You're not gonna hit him with the same trick twice. And that's why he's gone as far as he has, because he's put himself in harm's way and he's always learned. They're the people I get excited by, the people who say, how can I help you? Like Richie Gray, I wish boxing had done more to keep Richie Gray involved. No one has spoken more honestly and pragmatically about boxing than Richie Gray, where Richie was like, look, if you've got, I remember him saying this. If you've got a sponsor, why don't you do one day a week at them? Go, go and give them your, your labor for a day, yeah? Learn how they do stuff because it's a two-way thing. You're going to learn some skills that are going to help you when your career's done. But these guys don't. And I call it, I call it Danny Connor logic, right? Because he was no... <laughs> so, so Danny Connor would run around getting sponsors, trying to pretend that he was going to do amazing things in boxing, which was never going to happen. But he, he did okay. He, he overachieved for where he was as an amateur. But he never put it in for the people that bought tickets. He never really put it in for the people that sponsored him. He never showed them that kind of respect. And so that's why he's now on the outside looking in. Like, I feel for him. Imagine you have to tell people you used to be a boxer. That That's his life. He he has to tell people he used to be a boxer. I'm like, was it worth it then? And a lot of these guys fall into that trap. <laughs> I, I look at it and I go, you trained for a maximum of two hours a day if you spread it out across the whole day what are you doing with the rest of your time
0: what was that instagram post that you did where you just took the piss out of a day of the life of a boxer (laughs) 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 that's incredible just like running through the market or something yeah
1: just just like you know (laughs) and i just thought to myself this is all they do. It's like this is parody. This is all they do. They show them training, but I'm like, but that's your job. Like like my assumption is that if I don't see you, you're training. Show me something else that's gonna get me excited because fighting another Lithuanian ain't doing it for me. You know, yeah. like like a, I always go back to Ben Whittaker. The guy can rap. We've heard him rap. Do you know what I mean? He's he's gone into different lanes, as has Lawrence O'Coley. You know, Coley did the book. He He did his music. He's done things. And you may laugh at them. But you've got to tip your hat off to the guy and say, mate, at least you tried. At least you put it on the line. You put yourself out there. And I think it comes back to one of my old maxims. Boxing is a sport full of insecure men. A lot of these people are scared of what the public will think if they were really themselves. I don't know why. So, mate, we're paying upwards of 60 quid to watch you fight, mate, like, you know, if there's ever going to be a sucker in this equation, it's
0: us. Yeah, and you go back to that Ben Whittaker thing. My son, who's 14, you've met my son yeah. various times, um, he loves boxing, he boxes himself. His two favourite fighters are Tank Davis and Ben Whittaker. Um, Just, he sort of knows Ben Whitaker. he started watching more of Ben Whittaker as a result of all those highlights, all those things have been, and you get the old people online going, disrespectful to the sport because he, you know, he's levels above this person. He shouldn't be doing it. Why shouldn't he be doing it? He, he, you're right. He is levels above this person. So, therefore, do something that's a little bit different, do something that's a little bit fun and make headlines that other people aren't doing. How many fucking fights have we watched over eight rounds where it ends up 80, 72? And at the end of it, we're all a little bit underwhelmed by what's meant to be the next big thing. But Ben whitaker has gone out there, absolutely made headlines, made sort of gone viral with his clips on so many different platforms that aren't controlled by him or by Boxer or by Sky Sports. Other platforms that have picked him up. That's the difference, right? That's the difference between him and somebody who's going 80-72 with the same opponents.
1: Yeah, but here's what people don't understand. If you go back to one of the early New Age episodes, one of the real OG ones, like where we had the socks on the microphone, (laughs) someone fired in a question and they said, who do you think are the prospects to watch out for? And I remember saying this, this was 2016. I said, Ben Whittaker. I said, Ben Whittaker. I said, I just watched this kid in the ABAs play with Jordan Reynolds. And this is when Jordan Reynolds was the golden boy. Jordan Reynolds... Had a whole spot earmarked for him for that 2020 Olympics. Like they, everything was set up for Jordan. That was his coronation. This kid, Ben Whittaker, shows up, and I'd seen him at the Haringey the year before. And I was like, because he boxed, he might box as a junior, but he was better than all the seniors. He was better than, there's a kid called Shaka Thompson from Birmingham, boxed for jewelry So Jordan Reynolds was there as well. Um, also, I can't remember who the other guys were. It might have been Harry Scarf or Kieran Gethin or Kieran Conway. Sorry, it was, it was that caliber of pers- like guys who had done their years in the amateurs. Ben was better than them in 2015. Plays with Jordan Reynolds is just showboating for fun against Jordan Reynolds. Broke his spirit. And then if you go and watch his amateur career as a GB boxer, he did it then against people who were good. So people say that he only does it to people that he's better than. Um. He does it to people he shouldn't be beating, or based on form and pedigree. He, it's who he is, man. Like Ben Whittaker is the culmination of a dad who was determined to create the ultimate boxer. Right. That that's it. And you got to give his dad Tony credit because he he seems to have a firm handle on what he wanted Ben to achieve. And so I really respect what those guys are doing. And I, I'm seeing them now professionalizing the the non-boxing side of things the world's their oyster man like and and we need more of that but don't come out showboating without the pedigree the guy's an olympic silver medalist like and he was unlucky not to win the gold he can showboat if he wants to if you're a kid and you've got you've had 11 amateur bouts i don't want to see you with the tassels on your shorts i don't want to see gold boots i don't want to see bright pink gloves i don't want to see anything flashy from you until you've done something that we respect, there's too much of that as opposed to Ben Whitaker being the problem.
0: And again, going back to your episodes over the last 199, there was the one that you'd done when Whitaker went out in the Tokyo Olympics, which stood out as um, sort of I value your insight into the amateur sport because there aren't enough hours in the day for me to stay on top of amateur and professional boxing. I sort of spend less and less time looking at professional and again, this will sound like I'm blind smoke, but it's truly not. Yours is the only boxing podcast that I listen to. It's the only boxing content, really, that I take in over the course of a week. Um, and so you not doing one for the last month and a half has really pissed me off. Um, <laughs> Bye. But by the by. <laughs> um, but yeah, sort of those amateur insights that you give on certain episodes... I find it hard, I've got to be honest, when the whole episode is devoted to an amateur subject, I sort of struggle to take some of that in sometimes because I'm not as familiar with it. It hasn't got the names that that trigger something in my memory. But your amateur insight is phenomenal for people, I'm sure just like me, that don't know enough about it.
1: Yeah. The only time I'm going to talk about amateurs, if I'm being honest, is if if it's a, a broader issue that's going to affect the sport in a few years, right? So I'm just highlighting it now. So when we had the beef between kind of what you can call East versus West and the amateurs about who's going to control boxing, um, yeah. that was very important because had we had a proper split, you know, half, half the countries wouldn't be going to the Olympics. So that was important. I've had conversations
0: with people where the only thing I've known is what you said on that episode. <laughs> <laughs> My entire viewpoint was made up of yours. <laughs> and then in terms of like, if I see an amateur,
1: and they're they're the real deal. And I remember talking about the kid Alois Jr. And I remember telling that story of I was like, this is a 15-year-old kid that was bullying motherfuckers. And I said, This kid's special. So when, when Team Warren got a hold of me and said, What do you think of this kid? I said, spend whatever money you can on him because he's as real a deal as you'll get. They're the only times I really care about like sharing amateur insights when I see something where I'm like, that's not normal. Whereas if it's just run of the mill. This kid from Stonebridge box that kid from All-Stars. I, I don't even care, to be honest. Like, I don't you know. You know how many fights sometimes I just sit through, and I'm like, eh, eh, whatever. Whatever, you know? And, and the sad thing about amateur boxing is it's not the kind of thing where, like, the coach is going to have a beer afterwards, Like which is a real shame, by the way. I think it holds us back as a sport because no knowledge is shared, like, no experiences are shared. I think... Boxing would be a better sport if more people drank beer. Like, all of this monastic living is over. (laughs) Right? Roberto Duran, one of the five greatest boxers of all time, he had an okay career and he was on everything. So, all this monastic living of, I don't eat carbs, man, I just eat vegetables and meat. Shut the fuck up, man. Like, it's Carlos
0: Monzon, Carlos Monzon, heavy drinker.
1: Yeah, and he did all right for himself.
0: He had, like, a, he had a brilliant yeah. life, uh, you know. Uh, Plus so they the same for his
1: missus, but whatever. <laughs> yes, yeah, God bless it. Mate, did you watch, There's a Leicester game on, on TNT Sport, right? And they've got Oli Chessamon as man of the match, right? On God, they've pulled him up and he's got a pint of beer in his hand, right? Good. <laughs> and Craig Doyle looks at him and goes, you better see that off then. And what does he do? <laughs> he just necks it live on TV. <laughs> and that is no watershed. Like, this is prime. This is afternoon. And like, you know what I said? I said, that's a great moment. They suppressed it, by the way. Like, it was weird that they just don't, like, you can't find that moment anymore. I'm like, what? That's what people want to see. Because we know that's what happens. You know what I mean, you, you, what did you think was going to happen when you interview a guy holding
0: a pint of beer? But also, again, it comes back to what you were saying earlier about you want to see the human side of somebody. You want to invest in the human side of somebody, not what do you do for a job? Oh, I go running, I spar, I get ready for a fight. I want to see the human side of what you do. Um, But right, I need to go back to holding you to account for certain things. 100%. I've done my homework. Don't you worry. Who do you think was being talked about here? Going way back, way back. The clue's in the uh, the sentence. Quote, The man's career is borderline finished. If he beats Ruiz, he'll be fighting Huey Fury at Wembley. That's has to be Femi.
1: <laughs> it was! Who did he fight after Ruiz, actually? After
0: Ruiz too. Who did he fight? Uh, was it um, Pulev? There you go. It might as well have been Fury Fury. I
1: don't yeah. know. And 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 here's where I've got to hold myself to account. Because I never believed in 2024 I'd be saying Anthony Joshua's most relevant heavyweight. I I I, I I've I've seen the Fury fight appear and disappear more times than I care to remember. I've seen the wilder fight appear, disappear, reappear. And it's disappointed me and it's pissed me off. But I look at Anthony Joshua and I go, mate, for all of your sins and all of your faults, you are the definition of the tortoise and the hare, mate. You just plodded along while everyone around you imploded. Imploded. And now look at what you've done. You've you've, you've shacked up with Ben Davidson and you've become this elder statesman for British heavyweight boxing because you're bringing the young boys in. You got Thomas Carty around you, you got Jamie TKV around you, you got Courtney Bennett, Peter Kadiru's still around, uh, Marco Milun is still around. You you are the definition of what the top man in the division should be doing right now. Meanwhile, guys are running around with cut eyes and talking about this and rowing with people about calling their wives, whatever, and you I mean you got the the Saudi avatar in the corner just laughing, going, it's very funny here. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? (laughs) And then you've got got Usyk, who... I don't care what people say. Hand on heart, no one cares about Usyk. Like, no one cares. (laughs) No one gives a toss about Alexander Usyk. And I can't explain why, yeah? It's mostly because we don't have a connection with him. I don't know who the hell this guy is. He may actually be trying to liberate the Luhansk region single-handedly. I don't know. He... (laughs) He may be. He could be doing absolutely anything. We have no idea about him. So I, I refuse to believe that he's the main guy in the division because we don't care about him. But we care about Joshua. And look at it this way. If Usyk retires tomorrow, I don't think it affects the heavyweight division commercially. If Joshua retires tomorrow, we may as well just go home.
0: I agree. And you said it the other day, actually. He's been consistent. That consistency is what... <laughs> You know, Fury comes along and has highlight moments. He has low light moments. There's very little consistency from him. Joshua hasn't retired. Joshua hasn't thrown his toys out of the pram. Joshua hasn't aligned himself oh, no, to the has. wrong people.
1: No, he has. Oh, Joshua has thrown his toys out the pram.
0: <laughs> and that made me famous. <laughs> oh, shit, you're right. He did, didn't he? Live in the middle of a ring. And you got a million views of your, uh, your commentary about but- it. So another moment when I knew Hearn was listening
1: was a couple of days after that. They asked him about, you know, could someone have, you know, helped Joshua in that moment? And he's like, look, there are people online. And he, what did he say? I don't want to call them clowns, but there are people online who are saying, oh, someone should have taken the microphone off him. Yeah, I was like that. Eh. I did say that and he's like well if anyone (laughs) tries to take the microphone off just shot it was too late by then and I just laughed and I went mate it feels like I'm kind of rent free in there and I'm okay with being rent free in there but
0: (laughs) (laughs) well I'm going back to holding you to account here episode four way back in the vault right and this is in the uh, beautiful boxing days as well Shit, so the first what was the
1: first one? The first one would have been, I'm guessing, would have been Joshua Ruiz. The second one would have been Billy Joe. Um
0: no, we're, we're still on Ruiz versus Joshua Conversation here. Okay, cool. I know where we are then, yeah. Uh just I'm gonna read the quote. It's not a question or anything to quiz you on on this one. Just a quote. Talking about Ruiz versus Joshua 2. Hasn't happened yet. It's sort of being talked about. Quote one thing that we can all agree that fo- w- that fight won't happen in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> what did I know? <laughs> and then went on to, uh, and I had been listening back to some of these older ones just for my own amusement, really. And sort of bit of research. but went on to, cause that was on sky, wasn't it? It wasn't on the zone. It was, um, it was back in the skies, but went on about why Cardiff would have made more sense, probably did make more sense from a logistical perspective. Um, but yeah, one thing we can all agree, it, it won't happen. Yeah, but okay, so think about what we say
1: about fights in Saudi, yeah? Nothing to do in Riyadh. There was nothing to do in Jeddah or Drinia. It was in Drinia, wasn't it? There's was definitely nothing to do there. Um, World Boxing Super Series, has nothing to do in Jeddah. Like, Saudi's a dry country, right? And as much as they may talk about experimenting with alcohol, the closest you'll get to lying alcohol in the Holy Land is if they build some kind of offshore island that they turn into the Middle East in Ibiza. Who has memories of Joshua Ruiz 2? Like, you know, when we can think back to Groves-Eubank or people can think back to Joshua versus Klitschko, what they were doing, what the whole day was like. No one talks like that about um, Joshua versus Ruiz 2. And that's kind of where I was coming from. I was like, if you're going to have a fight like this where this man's career is on the line, if you can't make Wembley happen, make Cardiff happen. Now, <clears throat> I was wrong on that because Saudi came and said, well, we're just going to offer stupid money because we want to you know, test the waters. But you almost wonder why it took so long for Saudi to become a mainstream boxing backer in that case, seeing as they already had their eyes on Joshua. Um, it's, taken, it's taken years for what we got at Christmas and then what we're going to get this year. It's taken years for that to happen. And
0: paradoxically, it was Uncle Frank who made it happen. And also, going back to Ruiz Joshua, that was in the more grey area times of Saudi Arabian involvement and Middle Eastern involvement in boxing, um, with you know <laughs> names that names that don't get mentioned so much these days in the sport. But that no, is true. But so,
1: I genuinely believe those names that we don't mention anymore are a big part of what's happening now, because. I think I said this to you before. Someone show me Turkey's paperwork. Like, 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 there has, there's no paper trail. Like, there's nothing. Like, if you try and do like a, like a Google search from like 2018, you don't find anything. I'm like, it's almost like you appeared,
0: right? It's Um, AI, just AI. Create me a boxing promoter who wears sunglasses and body warmers indoors.
1: No, no. Do you remember? when Roger Cook did his show and he dressed in disguises, right? <laughs> yeah. and they just looked really, really bad. And that's what it felt like. It felt like a really, really bad, it's like a really bad kind of cosplay, right? Because I'm like, and I've got no problem with Turkey, the person who, who, the artist formerly known as Turkey or presently known as Turkey. Yeah, He's, he's an entertaining enough guy. But you don't believe that he knows much about boxing, do you?
0: No, and they try and make you believe it by he talks about sort of Hagler Hearns and things. And again, it's almost like you've just gone, right, Google most famous boxing matches of all time. Bosh, right, that'll do. Hagler is my favorite historical figure in boxing. He's like a Sasha Baron Cohen character.
1: Yeah. They, they, I'm like, I'm like, this has got to be an avatar, and Frank and Eddie have to be in on it. Because I'm like, there's no way, there's no way that this is believable. It, it's
0: hilarious, by the way, but it's just not believable. But I'll go back again. Episode 10. I'm out of the quotes now. I'm now into more themes of conversation. Um, but episode 10 was around Logan Paul and KSI. Um and actually, that was because I wanted to go back and revisit that because of how that was sort of the primitive days of crossover boxing sort of YouTubers. Um, and the point I've taken from that one was you talked about boxers. we mentioned it earlier. Boxers take, take, take and don't give. The fans cared about Logan Paul and KSI because they've spent years giving on YouTube, giving on their platforms, creating the side men, creating Logan Paul, the the person, um, and years later, we've seen that then cross over into mainstream pay per view, sort of misfits whacking out show after show after show, and boxing still hasn't learned. Like despite that, this episode, literally talked about why they're successful and boxers aren't. Do
1: you remember on the New Age? That's when the first KSI fight happened, right? Yeah, and KSI had been at Fitzroy Lodge, so I I engage so so like I don't know KSI. That's how I know KSI, and I knew of the plans. And everyone was kind of poo pooing it, but I said, hold on, this guy's gonna do a boxing show with no boxing involvement. Let's be clear about this, no boxing involvement. And so I'm tracking this. Then I heard it had sold out, and I just I as soon as I heard that had sold out, I said. These, these guys are cooking with different ingredients here, right? And I learned a very, very powerful lesson from that mind, and it's this: People will watch a fight so long as they feel it's competitive and it makes sense. whether it's a pub car park, whether it's in Hyde Park, whether it's in Campbell Park in Milton Keynes, or on the walk down to Revs, <laughs> I mean whether it's in To <laughs> forever, the most popular videos on social media are half-naked women and fights. I guarantee it, yeah? And that's just a reminder that people love to watch fights. And boxing forgets this. It, it, I don't care about building a fucking career. I'm not paying to watch works in progress. This is why that whole Joshua learning on the job thing annoys me. Professionals. <laughs> I don't hire someone to plaster my bowl to tile my bathroom. It's like, mate, you know what? I'm kind of learning as I go along here. I'm like, none no, no, no. Mate, I need this to be banging. Yeah? I need this to be a <laughs> pro. That's what I'm paying for. And I feel the same with boxing. That's what I'm paying for. If you need to learn and develop, kids, stay in the amateurs. Yeah? pro In the pros, get scrapping. All of this, oh, he's got to learn this. He, I can give you five fights to get used to boxing. I, I, after that, I'll give up monkeys. Do you know what I mean? I don't. And so interestingly enough, I was talking to, to Robbie Chapman uh on Friday. One of the few boxers I just see every like, I see Robbie Chapman like twice a month. He's a top guy by the way, really really, really good guy. Um he solid is. journeyman, knows his way around the ring. And this is the stuff we were talking about that we've we've hit this kind of period in boxing where guys are just fighting stiff after stiff after stiff. Who's that guy you dug up on Twitter? It was
0: Chris it was, Davis. Sixteen and 0. 16 and oh. Who did he fight? I don't know. Who he he even... literally, literally never fought anyone with a winning record. Um, and I, I know he's been offered many, and sort of like for whatever reason, didn't take him. And just a whole career, he last fought in twenty two. A whole career of sixteen fights, like a third of a Mayweather, just beat. <laughs>
1: He called himself the Spartan. <laughs> but mate, now look at Vidal Riley. Vidal's like, I'll, "I'll take on Mikhail a while now." And you're like, "Oh, he's different." Yeah. When, when you, when you, that's how I feel in boxing. When I see someone go, "I'll take on this fight," and I'm like, "Oh, that's different." It's like when Denzel said he'd fight Felix Cash, and in my head I was like, "Really?" And then I was like, "Balls of fucking steel." Go on, mate. Do it. I respect that because. There are certain times it's okay to take a loss. Um, You know, I didn't say it to Dan, Dan Aziz, but it was what I thought. I thought, if he loses to Josh, that's that's not a bad loss to take. It's not like Josh is an also-ran. Do you know what I mean? But also, in my heart of hearts, I believe Dan could win a rematch. But that's kind of me being, you know, Dan's friend. There's okay times to take losses. They're also times where it's not okay, so Eubank Jr. losing to Liam Smith, probably not a good loss to take um, because that harmed the the value and that kind of set back a potential fight with Canelo which left Eubank scratching around trying to make this Connor uh, Ben fight happen, which made us well past sell by date now.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, I wanted to touch on, you mentioned a few of the names um, that have been on it. Umar Sadiq, Dan Aziz, yeah. Um Denzel Bentley, those fighters that you've had on episodes, um, where you've sort of gone into the career and the personal side of it and your relationship with them. How hard have you found it then? As sort of I know what it's like from a from the perspective when we're doing it on New Age Days and going back to the likes of watching Linus and having to review that, but then having to review the hard times and the good of those people and how self-conscious are you, that they might come back and listen to this, do you have to pull back anywhere where you think fuck, there's something I'd like to say, but I need to have that conversation with them before they listen to me say it? I would never
1: if we're friends, I wouldn't talk about the fight until I'd spoken to, to you, whoever you are if we're friends, we do the right thing now, the conversation we have in private will probably be more brutal than the review right like you sometimes you've got to have those conversations and say mate you're you're pissing your career away and i've had those conversations like, you're you're pissing your fucking career away you know but then i'll hear about what's going on behind the scenes and then i'm like ah okay okay you know this is, that's why, if you, if you remember, I wasn't too scathing of Denzel losing to Nathan Heaney because I know what was happening behind the scenes. In fact, you didn't really
0: touch on it. You sort of gave Nathan Heaney his props for the win that
1: night. Yeah, yeah because I don't believe you fought 100% Denzel. But that shouldn't be Nathan Heaney's problem. Nathan Heaney's yeah. job is to fight what he thinks is the best version of Denzel Bentley. And Nathan Heaney showed up. And now if you look, Nathan Heaney's got the rub. He's now got that rub where he's got options. And fair play to him. And I know there are people that listen to the Midlands and think I'm very London-centric, and that's cool. But I'll give props when they're earned, and Nathan's earned them. In the same way, I'm feeling that Liam Davis is earning his props. And this comes back to what we've talked about with Frank. Frank's just building wave after wave of people it's almost like world war one he's just you know I mean, <laughs> this got over the top don't they yes they get machine gunned down when they go over but <laughs> they keep coming over and 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 so frank's helping make people financially stable and financially comfortable and i i applaud that um i was hearing rumors of uh can we say this? Well, yeah, because I just heard it in passing. It's not a secret. That's us I said, Fabio, Wardley or, or Adelaide, those two guys were making like 700 grand each in Saudi.
0: Well, I know how much Ellis Zorro made out in Saudi, so that number would correlate fairly well for Wardley and Adelaide. Do you see what I mean? So, <sighs> that's is, this is a stupid amount of money. I know. And I think that about Ellis Zorro. Ellis Zorro turned up. What you say about like building the wave and then you're going to get gunned down when you go over the top. Ellis Zorro was in that first wave of boats landed at Normandy. He was there taking bullets for fun. um, But he got handsomely rewarded for doing so. And that's what you want out of a career. If you're going to take those dangerous fights, do it for ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah. And... And Frank has engineered that
1: for the people who have been loyal to him. I, yeah. I respect that. Those people who are like, whatever you need, Frank, i got you. Frank's like, oh, okay, we've got opportunities now. I, 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 I like where Queensbury is right now. Um, less so Matchroom, because Matchroom to me feels like Man United in about 2011. Do you know where like everyone's kind of aging and we know yeah, yeah. it's just a matter of time? Whereas with Frank... Frank's feeling a bit like Man City around the same period where you're like, I can see what he's doing here. I think the real problem is that the, the boxers aren't delivering for Frank. You know, I think Dubois should have done more damage to Usyk. Um, I feel he he froze when he had his moment. And, you know, that would be a worry in most circumstances that he froze. Um, you look at Yard. I, I, man, listen... <laughs> well you've had to have two world title shots and you fought a pretty prime Kovalev and a damn good Baterbieev man you, you deserve to win a world title the easy way man like, like why can't he fight a Jean Pascal I mean there's, there's no justice in this world um and then you've got
0: it's the- most bizarre most bizarre career as well sort of it's either Baterbieev or Kovalev or some Italian that I've never heard of before Jordan like, Joseph there's nothing in between.
1: <laughs> hey but is Tunde the smartest man in boxing then as long as he got paid well for those fights Anthony then we'll put him up there healthy seven figure sums well definitely for for, for the one in Russia healthy seven figure sum yeah good I don't idea. know what he got for the one here but Tunde's made Anthony Yard rich enough that he doesn't have to work again he's done his job and then people say ah oh, Tunde Listen, people need to start respecting him as not just a manager because he's guided him well, but as a trainer. You've got to start giving him credit. Like When when some of these domestic guys start mixing it with Yard, it's going to be very hard to ignore Tunde as a trainer. This is one of the things that annoys me in British boxing. And I now got to get a bit soapboxy, so apologies in advance, people. When people talk about the best trainers in this country, it's always the same dead names, isn't it? Like this person and that person. Um, the hoax, as we like
0: to call him. who You've literally got an episode about the hoax. Yeah, because he is it's the called, biggest hoax. Called the, the... hoax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he's a hoax. And they wheel
1: all these guys out. That don't make any sense to me. Because I'm like, you don't even have case studies of really good fighters. You don't. And then I look. And I look at... Fighters who may not necessarily be white, but have good pedigree. Don Charles has good pedigree um, with fighters of all races and all backgrounds, by the way. Like he's, he's turned Shinquin around. He turned Bullioni around. He kept Derek relatively sane and helped extend his career. Don's done a lot of good things. I look at Clifton Mitchell and I go, that guy had Harry Scarf from day one. And no one thought Harry Scarf would win a British. That's Clifton Mitchell. Look what he did with Sandy Ryan. Um, Chantel Reed's dad is also in Derby, and he's turned Chantel Reed into maybe one of the golden amateur prospects we've got. Look out for Chantel Reed. you got Pat Barrett. Look at what he's done with Zalfa. Look at what he's done with Linden. No one ever mentions those names when it's like, who are the best trainers in the country? And I'm like, but based on like silverware. These guys deserve to be in that conversation. So why aren't they in that conversation? And it's because the people who control the pens in our sport, the people who control the microphones and the people who control the cameras refuse to give these guys the leg up they deserve. And I'll put Tunde in that list as well. If you look at the number of <laughs> fighters that have been through Tunde's hands, and that includes guys like Kevin Mitchell. Tunde's been a, a net positive for the sport. But this stuff doesn't get talked about because I'm always baffled because like I'm a coach. So I'm looking for things like, what are you giving your fighter? Which is why like I've generally been um, neutral to positive on Ben Davidson when other people give him a kicking. Because I'm like, I can see what you're doing. But your real test is going to come with guys like Jamie TKV, Chris Congo, and those young guys that you've got to bring through now. That's going to be your test, not Joshua. Because McCracken already, I mean, he already built Joshua. You know I mean? He's got to reactivate what McCracken built.
0: And again, that Tunday thing, just to pick up on sort of old episodes. There was an entire one where you banged the drum for Tunde. Um But talked not just about what's going on in the fight. And again, I think this is from a listener perspective. This is what people enjoy. And this is what sets your podcast aside. Again, I'm not going back to the smoke blowing aspect of it, but... Hearing that backstory, which I think we're all sort of semi aware of, but not hugely, but the way that you contextualize things around how Tunde had been there from the amateur days and invested the money, invested the time, invested all of that relationship building, trust, all of it builds into what you see now on a camera. But what you see now on a camera is a very small percentage of everything Tunde has done for that man. It just sort of highlighted a bit that episode of. Yeah, okay, maybe sort of shouting lions in the camp from the corner. It may or may not mean something. I think you talked about you know, him shouting that. Might be a signal for something. Might be a signal. I think you described it as sort of up and down. You know, you might shout up and down somebody. And what that means is something you've worked on in the gym. In the same way that if you're taking a corner in a football match, you might lift up your right arm and that means back post. Yeah. Two arms might mean near post, whatever. There might be little signals that he's able to give fights but you were able to contextualize that relationship between fighter and trainer so well in that Tunde Ajayi one yeah. that actually for everyone who sort of slags him off i hope they go back and listen to that and and sort of realize that it's not as daft as he as some people make out that he is but just more broadly i don't think
1: people understand what comes back to the point i just been making they don't really understand what makes a good coach they don't they don't understand because of the time when people list coaches, the fighters have made the coach. With Adam Booth, like if you gave me David Hay and George Groves, I'd like to feel I'd do something. But no one ever stops to go, what did he do with Dion Juma? No one ever asks that question, do they? Yeah. What did he do with Big Aussie? He struggled. He struggled with people that weren't already elite. So that conversation doesn't happen. There's a real skill in coaching, in finding the things that unlock the most value. and Like I see this when people say to me, what's the difference between the clubs that produce champions and the clubs that don't it's to what extent can you simplify a very complicated sport into a series of triggers that give you the right kind of behavior. And that's what you work on. And that's why it's really hard to move from trainer to trainer, because I'm trying to really simplify something that's complicated in a way that I can understand and I can express. There's another guy across the road who does it in a completely different way. So it's like I've said before, it's like learning a whole new language. But then not only learning the, the fundamentals of the language, but now you've got to learn the slang. And, you know, like, like we can talk, right? And there's so much that's, you know, English culture. There's so much that we don't actually say. You know, like we might have a conversation and I'll just be like, hey, you know, the thing we talked about last week with that guy that, you know, had the blue shoes on. But that's a whole story for someone. And that's what boxing is. So boxing for me, like like <laughs> I've got I've got lads and I'll just say, Look, I need you to work the circle. And work the circle will just mean, right, you know, we're gonna move around, we're gonna shoot to the body, shoot to the head, double to the head, you know, we just wanna restore control. Right? That that's really the subtext of it. Yeah because I'm seeing you get involved in a war, just work the circle, work around your opponent, start thinking, start looking, go again. But that work the circle, once you understand it, it unlocks so many other things. I can't, li- I can't give you a shopping list of things to do in the ring. You're not going to remember it. And so that's, that, these are the things people don't see. These are the things people don't understand when they're looking at trainers, because they're just like, well, Adam Smith said this guy's great, therefore he's great. I'm like, no. You know, I'm trying to think. Like, if you look at it, Grant Smith is now Flavor of the Month, right? Grant Smith and Joe McNally are Flavor of the Month. I respect both guys because Grant Smith's been doing this for a long time and, like, his kid Dalton is pretty good. But this is a relatively new thing. So has he just become good or is it just that someone's put the spotlight on him? And same with Joe McNally. Now, other people have different views on how Joe's getting all the fighters. I'm not here to speculate. But Joe McNally was a guy who not that long ago was fighting James DeGale in the ABAs. joes he's he's barely 40. And all of a sudden, he's the guy? But where's this come from? Is it a slow buildup? Don't know. And I'm not saying that they're bad trainers. I'm just saying that perception just shifts in directions that don't make sense based on what else is happening in the wider boxing
0: landscape you know that's a really good gateway actually into one of the other points we're going to touch on is boxing and celebrity endorsements of the beyond boxing podcast one name we've mentioned so far ksi right out of nowhere just fucking tweets i listened to the high field boxing or, like tagged you in i was that high field boxing podcast or along those lines i can't remember the exact terminology yeah. did you have a heads up like no. A, did you have a heads up on that? B, did it boost your numbers that week?
1: Um, wow, this is interesting. So, so let's talk about KSI first, and we'll talk more broadly about numbers. So, I was surprised. Like, we we follow each other. We followed each other for a while, but part of me doesn't know whether. It's like Turkey's account where someone clearly does it for Turkey or whether he does it himself. I think he has some control over his account. In the way that
0: Turkey follows me. And I think, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Man. I, don't, I don't want to have that British journalist treatment, right? Hey, you know, people were doing backflips and they
1: found out Turkey was following them. And I was like, well, he follows me. Man. I, I, he's never offered me anything, so I'm not that excited. Yeah. Like, yeah. But I, I didn't know until someone said, hey, listen, KSI shouted you out. I was like, wow. Okay. And so it did, it did views on my Instagram, like in terms of my stories and stuff. But bump in terms of followers, no. Like that, that whole thing is a huge myth. On God, like the gap between attention and value is significant. Like like I said, I've got nearly 300 episodes to look at data for. And I can say with absolute certainty, there's a core constituent fan base that will just listen to me talk. And I can, I can estimate the number on that. If someone then joins, depending on how they push it, their end, and some people are better than others, that might add another 30 to 40%. But it's not game changing because a lot of these guys aren't who they think they are. And I'm not saying this to disrespect my people, but the other thing they don't do is boxers don't push. Like, <clears throat> I remember having to explain this to to Denzel I said Denzel like you gotta push it because you're on there and if you can give people who love boxing a moment where they go I never knew Denzel thought like that you win I'm, I'm like mate my, my thing's gonna carry on doing numbers right I'm, I'm just trying to shine a bit of light on you bring you into this audience here they may know you from what you do in the ring but do they know you you 've got to push that, and I wish more people understood that you've got to push the more everyone pushes, the better off everybody is, but that part is a that's a longer journey that's a far longer journey. My numbers will be driven by what I do the the handshaking, the being visible, the being friendly, being polite you know I remember when I met Michael the Emperor. <laughs> <laughs> what he nearly got into it with russ outside uh oh, in nottingham yeah. was it nottingham yeah yeah one of my favorite moments ever is porky taking the jacket off and I'm... there's coogan coogan just out of nowhere turned up in the middle like that guy never dresses up does he <laughs> <laughs> Mate, but the thing is i'm looking at russ and i, and I know russ has still got stitches in him I'm like, what the fuck are you doing
0: <laughs> but it was brilliant though. It was what was. Needed. He was good to go. He was good to go, man. He was good. Yeah. Driven over an hour. I was like, brilliant. Russ is a
1: legend for that. But I remember meeting Michael and I, I think it dawned on him that I'm-, I'm bigger than I sound on the pod, right? He was like, oh shit, <laughs> you're bigger than I thought you were. I was like, mate, welcome to the jungle. But we spoke and I understood him a bit more. He understood me a bit more. He kept it moving. Like, I try and say that to people. You know, everyone tries to run around boxing finding dirt on me. That's what Rob Tebbit did. Rob Tebbit kept asking people, looking for dirt on me. Like, you know, fucking weasel for doing that. But nothing comes out because I fly straight in the sport because that's how I was brought into the sport. You don't want scandal following you because it will never leave you. So I avoid all kinds of boxing scandal. Like, you know, ladies may jump in my Twitter DMs i'll just be polite say thanks but no thanks all that sort of stuff because i don't want i don't want the drama it would just distract from from what i'm trying to do And that is to build something where people look back and they go you know what that line from new age to high field boxing and to wherever else it goes that was important in boxing because i still don't believe new age gets its flowers man we were the first, like, think about when when we started as a trio and all you really had was toe-to-toe, right?
0: Yeah. <clears throat> all you had was toe-to-toe. We were- boxing Asylum, give Boxing Asylum their credit in that they, you know, they've sort of done it and they're still doing it now. Like, their years of, of putting it in. I don't listen to it personally these days, but I've listened to it over the years and just their longevity, if nothing else. I, incredible.
1: I don't because of the abuse I got, so... I, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm neither here nor there on those guys. I wish them all the best, by the way. Like, I'll honest, wish them all the best. I don't believe, I believe that they were almost too, they were, they were too far to be palatable
0: because they were just yeah. in attack mode. It's why I, I stopped listening, if I'm honest, and, I don't know, probably earned me some attack online, wherever, I can give a fuck, really. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, it's, it's not my flavour of doing things. No, but there's a lane
1: for it. Right? There's a lane for it amongst... It seems to be like Motherwell and Dundee in that part of Scotland where, you know, it's a lot of Rangers fans, a lot of right-wing views, a lot of a lot, a lot of people with anti-woke in their, <laughs> in their
0: bios. You've just lost 1.5% of your listenership, Terry. Good. Good. And it could do with the clean-up. Um, <laughs> but, but it is.
1: There's a lane for them. And that's one thing, I guess, the pods taught me. There's a lane for everyone, right? Once you find your lane, stick to it. It's like, a, I have this chat with, with Porky Russ all the time. And I say, who are you in this? Are you are you the guy that does the boxing asylum type content? Are you the, the guy that fights hard for the fans? Which one are you? And I, I think like when you're trying to monetize, like he is, you <clears> you kind of have to jump between them. So that's why he does a shit ton of videos, right? So he's got to cater to yeah. so many different audiences, and I admire him for that because I'm like, mate, that must be draining. I do one, I know where it's where it's aimed for, and as long as it lands there, my job is done, right? That's it, and I, and, I, and I'm okay with that. But he's got to churn it out for the member section and do his numbers, and I admire that. But it just means that you're you're not immune from some of the more Recessive and degenerate sides of the boxing fan base, but that's why that's why I don't do massive takedowns because it gives people a green light to come after you. And I know people and people have tried it. You know they try and and I don't get that, Martin. You know this is just boxing and it's entertainment around boxing. Why would you try and ruin someone's life? Why would you try and ruin someone's business? Why would you? be saying, ah, why, why, why have you got this guy in your organisation? Why try and get people cancelled? Like, what, what does that <clears throat> do to you? What does that do for you? Oh, yeah, we, we, we got this guy shut down. Okay, cool. Now what? We're just going to go on to someone else and do it again? Why?
0: No, no, I'm with you. Um, from that, what would you say your lane is? If you had to pick one, because I've got a view on it, I'm interested if it aligns with what yours is. Ooh. I think I said at the beginning it's it's the pe- people I'd like to have a beer with, but that's quite a broad church. Nah, we've got to narrow it down from that. That is that is too broad. Yeah. If you could say one specialism, boxing as a, let's take it from the whole, like the, the holistic view of boxing, if you could then narrow that down to one stream of it, whether it's breaking down fights, whether it's the financials, whether it's the broadcasting, whether it's what's your what do you think your your best lane is because i'll tell you mine and then you can think about yours okay and i it's quite clear to me because the bit that i enjoy listening to the most um and that's where you analyze what's going on either right now or where people are being positioned on the chessboard to be moved towards. And that could be through broadcasting conversation. It's not necessarily around just about fights. It's not necessarily just about broadcasting. I enjoy that analytical breakdown. So I think, again, this turned into a Terry fucking love fest for episode 200. But the way your brain works is incredible at times. And your sort of analytical breaking down of certain aspects of things, I really enjoy listening to in conversation with you, out for a beer, but when I'm lucky enough to also be the listener on a podcast, that's the bit that I think you excel at, is being able to take what we see and then put an angle on it that tells us what we might see.
1: Yes, and I was going to say like, my strength is just seeing how this whole thing hangs together. And it's because I've kind of done so many different things, Martin, in boxing. And I've been involved in so many different things over the years. And like, I always go back to those years I used to sit there. And it'd be like Frank, who later became Kelly Maloney. And Bunsy would be there. And there'd be a few other guys. And there's Mick and there's Keith Bristol. And everyone, all these old timers are just talking boxing, right? And I'm just there in my head thinking, okay. So that's why he did this. And I'm, like, oh, and I'm piecing this picture together. I'm like, so this is how this game works. And... This is where the value of doing an apprenticeship is because you they give you that kind of that macro view. And then as you get involved in boxing, as long as you've got that macro view, the little bits that you get involved in, you understand how that fits into the into the macro. That's why when I meet promoters randomly, I can sit and have a conversation with them and I can say, but why are you making this move? Okay, cool, but who's invested in that? Like, why would why why would I buy a ticket for that? It may be a fight you like to make, but why would I buy a ticket for that when these two guys are on completely different journeys? Yeah? We need intervening fights that bring them closer together. You know those sorts of conversations? Because like, you know, I get how this whole thing hangs together. Um, yes, I can break fights down to an extent because, like, I watch a lot of them. Um, but there's other stuff I'm not great at. <clears throat> like, you know, I, I, I couldn't do a teardown piece. You know, there are people who can, and there's a place for them because there's going to come a time when someone in boxing transgresses badly and the pit bulls will need to be unleashed. But I'm not really that person because I kind of don't care. Like, that's one of my problems as well. I care about what I care about in boxing and all the other stuff I don't care about. You know, like, I, I was thinking back to the number of episodes I just haven't released because I was just sat. And, I was just, <laughs> Mate, and I've just sat there, I'm 47 minutes
0: in, and I'm like, oh, that just feels shit. <laughs> you just sat there like, oh, shit. Is that where we, is that the ones where we end up with a two-week gap between episodes? Is it? There's actually a 47-minute one that never got, never <laughs> saw the light of day. Yeah, but like, God, this is shit.
1: I, I genuinely, man, I sat there like, oh, this is shit. But the thing is, you got to pause the recording, right? And then you got to go outside, maybe go and buy yourself a bag of watsits, right? Come back in, eat the watsits, and then ask yourself, do I want to carry on? And by that point, you're probably like, nah, I just don't believe in it now. You delete. And that happens a lot, actually. Or sometimes I'm just not in the groove. Like, there have been a couple where I've just been so angry.
0: Like, I'm surprised by myself. I'm like, why am I so angry? <laughs> but you know what? Like, given you've released 199 plus, um, I think there's maybe one. And I couldn't tell you what it is. But there's maybe one that I've got to sort of the end of. And I thought, nah, that wasn't up to quality. Um, one out of 198 doing it yourself doing stuff yourself for like 45 minutes or an hour of an episode is ridiculously hard i don't think people would appreciate how difficult that is it's hard but
1: that's where prep's important though martin so that people assume oh what he does is he just gets up and talks into a microphone no like i don't have hundreds of pages of notes because it's not necessary but I'll always write a question though. What do I want to talk about? And that's just a couple of lines. Why is this important to the audience? If I can't answer that question, I don't do it. You see what I mean? Well, some people will speak on everything because th- that's their lane. That's why I could never do IFL. That's why I could never be a boxing social guy. Cause I just feel like, why am I here? I don't care about none of this. <laughs> this is a shit card. I want to stay at home. But like with the Connor Ben thing, It's easy for me. I'm like, hold on. Okay, so Connor Ben's failed two drugs tests and he's still making noise. Why do the audience care about this? Because let's really break down what he's saying. He's either saying that the lab have messed up, and if so, then this these are the things he has to do immediately. And has he done them? No. Or he's gonna have to hold his hands up and admit he's messed up. And he hasn't he hasn't done either of these things. And then you start going, well, So if he hasn't done any of these things, what's really going on here? Who's advising him? And so you start to build an episode based on just very simple premises. What should we really care about in the story? And so you can do half a page of A4 and like that's an hour. But there's a lot of imputed knowledge that comes into it as well, knowledge that you already carry in your head. And I think that's why I try not to, to have too many misses Because I don't want to lose my audience. I want my audience to feel like I care. Yeah. And you care by the little things like how good is the audio? And, you know, are you, you know, giving them the little, little blurb they need? And is the picture one that's going to catch attention? It's the small things that I've learned to appreciate when doing this because that's what people notice. And it's one of the reasons I've never gone on YouTube because I think about where people listen to me. I'm like, it's their commute. It's, when they're running, they're walking the dog. These are like intimate moments where you're kind of, it's just you and your own thoughts and just like, okay, you know. And so that's a bond you don't want to violate. Like if I was just on YouTube, then kids in Japan could be watching me translating and that's cool. It's great for reach and stuff, but am I ever going to bump into them and have a beer? I don't know. You know? So those things are important. Like I don't want to lose my audience and I don't want my audience to feel that I don't care. So. I'd sooner not do an episode than do a bad one.
0: And also, I think a lot of your content, um, you as a listener, and you can't talk about this, but I can, but as a listener, I often feel like I need to listen at a time when it is just me and my own thought. I don't need any background distractions, because actually what I want to do is absorb what you're talking about. If I want to just hear about what happened at the weekend's boxing, I'll listen to the George Groves podcast. That's no disrespect to George Groves podcast because I quite enjoy it. But if I just want to hear what happened at the weekend, I'll tune into that. If I want to hear something slightly more in-depth than that and with analysis and breakdown, then I want yours on. But if I want yours on, it's because I want that time to myself and that sort of ability to actually take it in rather than just let it wash over me.
1: That George Groves thing's interesting because you'd have thought that George's name would create a standalone brand in terms of pods. So to see that go under the... <laughs> you already know. To see it go under the <laughs> banner... <laughs> to see it go under the Boxing News banner... Is it Boxing News? Is it Boxing News Plus? Is it ID Boxing? I have no idea. But to go under that banner, I looked at that and I went, they weren't. They kind of been doing numbers. They can't kind have of been doing numbers. Because I look at some of the ones they do on, on YouTube, and normally you'd want more numbers on YouTube. I look at the numbers they do, and I'm like, they can't compete with me. And that's George Groves and the other guy. And then, who is that other guy? Like, wh- uh, Declan Taylor. But what's like, yeah. his... I don't a, know. He, he just appeared. Like, who is this guy? But listen, but I see people go on there, right? And I'm like... Okay, you all want to go in here, well, because it's George Groves. You don't care about actually like really penetrating new markets and s- triggering new conversations about yourself. Okay, cool. Let's act like I don't exist. That's what makes me driven and determined, Martin. Actually, is I want to be bigger I want to be bigger than them. I want to be bigger than some of these boxes. Like I genuinely, genuinely do. And like this, what this is the rare moment of megalomania that I really get where I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to, cause I shouldn't have to like, what the fuck am I begging? I'm not begging no one to, to jump on here. We're doing numbers without people. Cause someone asked me the question they said, who would you get on? If you could, I said, not many people. Spider Richards. Yeah. But because Craig and I go back a long, long way. Like, there's a great episode potentially between like JP Spider and a couple of other guys where we all, we talk about the, the old days. I be some funny stories, Um, but I, I do, I watch people who, who they're like, yo, T man, I'm going to do your pod soon. No, nah. then I see them on that George Groves one. And I'm like, Oh my God. they just, ooh, I didn't learn anything from this, but this is, this isn't great. You know what I mean? And that's no shots to to George. I like George. I've got a really high opinion of George Groves. Um, I love the fact that he's back at Dale Youth helping out, um, being a good role model. I love all of that stuff. But this podcast thing, man, like, like I said, I'm the Gareth Barry of this. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? I've I've seen seen a lot of go. I've seen Coogan try it. Whatever happened to that fight within the stuff? Done. It's a wrap.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I never quite understood that, in that you've literally got IFL sat there as a platform. Why have you now got a standalone fight within? When you're already doing one-hour sit-downs every week with Eddie Hearn, talking about some fighters, and then sort of top and tailing it with some inspirational stuff about life, why do I then need the 45 minutes bit about the same information that came out in an audio book, the same information that came... And then, do I need to hear about Chantel Cameron's upbringing? No. No, I don't. <laughs> I never will. Mm-hmm. Um, we summarised Chantel Cameron's whole
1: life, very simply, in the New Age. We said, that's the kind of girl that's just outside the shops and she'll fight anyone. That's Chantel yeah. Cameron. There you go.
0: Yeah, yes, and I, Yeah. And, and so I picked Chantel sort of a random there, because it's the one that sprung to mind, but you could apply that same conversation to any boxer that had been on there. Um, but I need to rewind this right back to were asked about two celebrity or boxing endorsements that you'd had. Um, and the other one was Joe Gallagher. Like, I don't know how randomly it was or not, just sort of appeared on a boxing interview one day. And he was like, I don't listen to any of that boxing stuff. None of this of any interest to me, apart from the uh, the Beyond Boxing podcast. I listened to that.
1: I love Joe. I I I I love Joe and I love Joe because as I've got deeper into this coaching thing I understand what that man has done. Like look at how many kind of waves of fighters Joe's turned out. Um and the system is doing everything it can to silence Joe and to marginalize Joe. But now look at look look at Joe, right? Joe is one of the most important Brits in Saudi Arabia when it comes to boxing. People don't talk about this. But Joe, Joe will be the mastermind between like Saudi amateur and professional success. Like the seeds that he's planting now, he'll be cooking, man. Like Joe, I've got a lot of time for Joe. Like every so, we we message each other every so often, and like you know, I might ring him. I never know if he likes it when I ring him or not, you know. But I always just ring him because I I can. But I think Joe's a class act. I think boxing (laughs) should treat him better. same with Jane Couch as well. I don't understand why these guys can't be heard on TV. I'm bored of the same voices. Why can't we get Joe Gallagher giving us that insight into how did it go wrong? Or how did it go so right? Joe will understand that. I want more of those guys. I want a Clinton Woods on there. We don't celebrate our truly world-class people. Like We celebrate mediocrity. Um, I'll go back. to an interview Johnny Nelson did with Boxing King Media. and. Like, he was responding to the accusations that he's a company man. And Johnny Nelson said something that I don't think people really understand. And Johnny said, I was a long-time world champion. Like, who, who the hell can tell me anything about what I see in the ring? I've seen it all. And then people forget how hard his career was in the beginning. And you know, like, when you're losing as many fights as he lost in the beginning, Martin, you're questioning everything. You're over analyzing everything. So no one's really gonna know boxing like Johnny Nelson. But when we, when you look at the rest of them, you tell me Clinton Woods is not more deserving? Well, why can't we get Calzaghe on there? Like these are guys that we want to see, guys who who operated at that top level. Get them on there and say what is it like being at the top of the tree? But phew, you know I mean, we we get these clodhoppers, don't we? That's what we get because I don't even know, man. Life is depressing. No, that's that's going to be my thing this year. Let let's start respecting the people who really made the sport happen. You're Robin Reed's, um, Clinton Woods, for example. Even Crawford Ashley. Like, how are we still listening to Richie Woodall? And that's not to say that Richie Woodall's not um, a good guy. But there's only so many times you can tell me someone's holding their feet, and only so many times you can tell me things are mid range. And, mate, you're just doing it by numbers now it needs freshening up
0: i agree um and that takes me back to another one of your episodes where you talked about your commentary experience up in leicester yes um so going back to that episode and going back to that experience is that somewhere you're looking to progress you know throughout this year would you do it again if carl greaves picks up the phone and sort of wants you up there
1: Well I
0: told Carl man, like you're having all these
1: shows, where am I? I said the same thing to Dennis. I said, Dennis, man, come on. Why am I not in Malta? Why am I not in the Cayman Islands? You know? (laughs) My passport's clean and I'm good. Um I'd do it again. Doing it on your own's hard, Mark, because like I'm literally going from commentating to interviewing, straight back to commentating, and I'm like Oh my god, that's 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 a lot. That's a lot. I, if I would planned it better and I would actually said to people I'm doing this, I'm, I would have gone out that night because I was just buzzing. I didn't, I couldn't even sleep that night. the adrenaline kicked in. I was like, I want to go out now. Um, uh, but I didn't get a chance. Shout out to I think it's Leon Baptiste who was up there. I didn't find out he was up there till it was almost too late. It was annoying. But it was, it was a good. That was a good show. And I think I said in that episode, in terms of just sheer talent. It's the best small hall show I've seen. I'm not saying that they're the best small hall fighters, but in terms of like talent and ability to look like you know what you're doing, you had um, the kid Brad Bethel. You had Brad Goldsmith on there. Uh, Stanley Stannard was on there. Uh, Blocko, so Callum Blockley was on there. Uh, The Traveler Girl was on there as well. I forget her name. But a lot of really talented kids. Um... I was that the same night that Ryan Amos fought as well? I think it was actually. Yeah, Ryan Amos fought as well. These are all guys who had solid amateur careers. And so you see them on the small hall show, and you're like, give him a few more. And, you know, I still think Stanley Stannard could make it to TV. Um, Brad Bethel seems to have disappeared for a bit. But like the jewel in that crown seemed to be Brad Goldsmith. I'll be intrigued to see what, he can do a middleweight when he finally gets put on TV, but he looks like he's he's class. Um, one of the few fighters that Domingo's actually training at the moment. So yeah, we'll see. But yeah, it was a good experience. When I I enjoyed, it. I did enjoy getting up there, like getting the train. Where did I? <laughs> fuck. I I think I had to change trains twice, so it wasn't great doing that. But apart from that, it was all good.
0: And what's what's left for you to achieve? You've done 200, right? Yeah. As of now, officially are you doing 200 more because people want to know, like, because you've genuinely got this listenership that is sort of devoted to listening in every single episode, be that weekly, fortnighty, whatever it may be. And is that, um, that angle that you're taking with it, is it staying the same? Are you looking to bring more people in? And then I know sort of you enjoy, I think when you've got that good relationship with somebody to do it, yeah. what can people expect Two hundred um, to 300, 300 to four hundred, or has it died by that point? That's
1: awful. Uh, listen, <laughs> let me let me hit the cliche button real quick. I'm gonna take <laughs> each episode <laughs> is as it, it comes.
0: It's is what it is. I'll let my manager sort it out.
1: Yeah, just yeah, Listen, just one episode at a time. Okay, <laughs> no. So, <laughs> so when when I think about um. These couple of hundred, it's been kind of me interspersed with a few interesting people. And if I can find a list of people, I believe I can get some interesting moments because I really just want moments, right? I want moments where people go, I remember the episode where you said this or when they said this, and I'm like, okay, cool. That's when I know I've done my job. So, how do you go about doing that? What's that cast of characters? i've got to be more active in pursuing that and making it happen so one of the things i do have to do is and it's annoying as fuck by the way i've got to purchase a new set of kit so i've got to be able to record in like just sharp at someone's place and go right let's record i don't want to be lugging around a big fucking what is it like a seven track recorder and condenser microphones mate like do you know what i mean look look i I, mate I i don't want shit like this I can't be lugging shit like this around. <laughs> yeah. uh, yep. it, it's a big overhead. So when I can find a solution that works like that, then let's start just getting some interesting voices. I just want interesting voices, interesting stories. Because I want to be inspired. I want to be excited. I want I want to be made to think too. You know, but I hope
0: you don't lose. I hope that's interspersed into the ones that are you. Because as I say, I genuinely find it incredible that you've managed to fill, if we call it 45 minutes per episode on average. I know you started off with like, we're going to keep these half hour. You fucking, you threw that away early doors. Like some are an hour, some might be longer, but let's call it 45 minutes on average across 200. Like, again, I'll go back to, I don't think people will really appreciate how difficult that is. And it's an art form in and of itself. Um, but people enjoy those. So like as much as it's great to hear the other voices, I hope there's still a core product that is just Terry Chapandama analysing the sport and the fucking car crash that it is 90% of the time.
1: I think there will always be episodes where something will happen and it has to just be me. Right? Like, let's say, and, I, and I'm not wishing this on him, let's say Joshua failed a drugs test there's no jumping on a phone with anyone that's that's you got you got to spin up the microphones you got to just go <laughs> uh, you you got to just you go you got that's when you got to feast you got to feast you gotta get your product out there quick that's something that people don't appreciate there there are certain times when you'll get that product out there first yeah and then when you do that you own the conversation our of ben thing i was like oh you just failed the test go get something out now You know, uh, and I've made a made a healthy living off of that kind of thing, but you have to. So I think there will always be something where I just want to talk sometimes, you know, just surrounded by my own thoughts. But where I think there's an interesting conversation to be had, I want to be able to have that, too. And I think that's probably something I. I slipped off, I think, if I look at the last hundred episodes, because. Because people let me down. And this is a bit that no one one really gets to see. You put a lot into the sport. um, Your brain, your hands, your elbows, your shoulders. You put a lot in to help people, right? And when they call you, you pick up. You don't wait two days. You pick up. What's going on? You good? What's happened? What's the problem? So if I say, yo, let's jump on doing an episode next week. I'm not even saying tomorrow. Let's do an episode next week. I know you ain't got a fight for a while. What the hell's more important than that? Bear in mind what we've talked about earlier with boxers. What is more important than that? Nothing. Nothing. And so when people kind of don't understand that, it makes you question why you do it, right? You're like, oh, what am you doing it for? And that's when I had to fall back in love with myself and go, I do it because I want to fucking do it. Fuck him. That's how I feel a lot of times. Like I, I want to do it. I want to do it. And I want to do it for everyone that listens. And if it means that I never have another guest again, I have no fear of that. Because, you know, you do. You get a bit nervous when you see these other pods with their guests and you're like, eh, what's that doing for them? And then when I saw it wasn't working for George Groves' thing, I said, nah, listen. That's when I said, let me be, let me be the, the figurehead. Forget it. If, if you don't want to jump on my thing, that's okay. That's okay. Let's see what numbers you do. When, when, when the belts are gone and you're now texting because the belts are gone, you're texting now because those people that were around you promising you stuff giving you tickets to this game and that game and this event, now they've gone on to whoever's got the belts now. Now you want to start talking about, mate, we should do an episode. No, 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 It's no. not how this game works, man. <clears throat> I remember, I remember who stood by me when I needed people to stand by me. And this was true just, not just in a podcast sense, it's true in life, man. The number of people I've had to cut off in the last year because they didn't stand, tr- they didn't stand true. And that's one of the things when you say what's coming next is that higher standard of like ethics. Look, I look at that kind of 2016 group, like The lads who really kind of crossed over and turned over 2016. We should have all stuck together with a bit of force. That group would have just been incredible. But everyone allowed these side conversations to happen. Um, You know, you've got people who call themselves the not, (laughs) let me stop. you know, wanting to manage fighters and you ain't even renewed your license. <laughs> so what the hell are you doing? Like, what are you? Do you know what I mean? Like, And I'm like, yo, cancel the contract, man. If people aren't serious, they're not serious. But having said all of that, can I just, I just want to say this. I used to get a lot of shit from people about John Pilato. Oh, he ain't as good as you say he is. Do you know if someone were to say to me, like, your Mount Rushmore of boxing, like people you just respect, JP's up there. You know, for the last um, eight years, we've spoken at least two or three times a month, me and John. Like, we spoke the other night because he's just bought himself a G63 AMG. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so he calls me up and I say, John, the longer I know you, the more I realize I don't know you. And he's like, because <laughs> he, he had a Range Rover before that, right? And he was like, I'm thinking of downsizing. That's what he said to me. <laughs> I'm thinking of downsizing. Like it's like, a five bed. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. I love it. Yeah, yeah, just down, down. Okay, that makes sense. What do you need a big car for anyway? That's what he's telling me. Then he's got the fucking G sixty three, and I said the only way you've downsized is I think this is the shorter wheelbase than the Range Rover. (laughs) But I talked to John, and we just talk about everything about life and all this sort of stuff. And we had a conversation in January, and we're talking about just life. And I said something, and he's like, he's like, "Tell, I've got to stop you right there. That's not the man I remember. The man I remember." was fearless. He went after everything he wanted, man. That's why I respected you. You don't get soft on me. And I was like, shit. And he was right. Like, I'd got to a point where I was becoming like everybody else. That's what's taking this episode so long to kind of come out. Because that, that that lived with me. I was like, have I become like everyone else? Have I become one of those guys? Norman. Have I become a Norman? And I was like, fuck, oh, <laughs> I have And so I went through that process and I'm I'm sort of out the other side now. I'm like, I've just got to go for everything. Like, if you ain't going to help me, that's cool. I never needed help to get to where I got to anyway. I've always knocked on doors. Yeah. And once you let me in, I don't leave because you know what I can do. But a lot of people. That's that's literally how I met you. Yeah. That's that's what I mean. Like, yo. And, And then now look like, like, I almost look at you like as if I've known you my whole life. Yeah. It's weird. Like when people say like, how long you don't mind? I'm like, shit, I I feel like saying like 20 years. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: know. I know. And, And,
1: and, and that's what I mean. And they're the things I'm grateful for. That's why I don't get mad when people don't deliver because I'm like, well, the people who did deliver are enough for me. And I say this to everyone out there. Don't look for validation from anybody who hasn't shown you love. They're the only people you need validation from. When someone shows you love, when someone acts and believes and operates from their heart, by all means, get involved. Yeah. But if they don't, you don't need their validation. They don't want to give you their validation. That's all good. It doesn't matter. Because deep down, you don't know if they're going home and having to take Prozac. You don't know. I'm past caring now because I think I said it in one of the episodes. Boxing's this weird arc where you start off with nothing and you've got one group of people. You start to get belts, attention, and so on and so forth. And you get the wrong people in your ear. You, know, you get a lot of people in your ear talking and they know best and they can do this for you. Um, you know, And I imagine that's what happened to Ben Whitaker, where people were promising him stuff and didn't deliver because you don't hear him shouting out 258 anymore, right? Yep. name me a good 258 case study that's not Anthony Joshua and even then this guy was doing Lucas A deals for a quarter of a million a year Olympic gold medalist doing Lucas A deals for a quarter of a million a year and Lucas A like, Mate, we've had an absolute touch here and that fucking Belgian Malinois what's his name? KD calls himself a marketing genius yeah Fucking idiot. But this is what boxing's full of. So on your way up, you get these clowns like KD wanting to be involved. Not because they can help you, but because you can help them. Right? And then you might lose your belts and you might have to work your way back up the ladder. Now you start calling the people who you're talking to on your way up. Why? Because the KDs have gone on to the next project and the next project and the next project. And now you're there at home and you ain't getting tickets to nothing. And the money's not what it was before. Maybe you've got to pay the tax man and this, that, and the third. Yeah? Then it's like, oh, you know what, man? Let me ring, tell, See what he's up to. Nah, 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 nah. Nah. That door closes. I I know... <clears throat> I, know I know who stands behind me. And I I, I, had to, I had to take that sidebar because it wouldn't have been a fair rep- representation of the last 200 episodes if I hadn't talked about some of the dark sides to it. Because, you know, we can all be optimistic about things. But there are times where I'm like, I can't believe you do that, but then I just say, "Look, let's see what happens when when the next shiny young thing comes through, and you're just a, you're a B side guy."
0: And then and you know that that touching on the dark side of all of it, um, again purely from a listener perspective, um, there are I don't know, let's call it one in fifteen, one in twenty, one in twenty five of the episodes where you end the last five to ten minutes completely off boxing just sort of the only way I can describe it is a little bit like um and I'm gonna to have to contextualize this straight afterwards so I don't sound like a dick about it um Spencer Fearon-esque where he likes to be inspirational to people but actually yours comes over as authentic and meaningful rather than because you're trying to do it for an Instagram video that you can try and get out and keep retweeting and retweeting and retweeting, and retweeting. you do it and then that's it sort of cut and dry give that message to people what i love about it though is the amount of um tweets back to you that i see on the back of episodes of people like tell love that five minutes at the end like that really meant something to, like that hit home that was and i say it's not that often that you do it um and again it's sort of when as a listener it makes you just stop and sit up and take notice of that little bit at the end that's like, okay, if you're having a tough time, it's not to say that you've got the answer for it, it's just say everybody goes through shit sometimes.
1: Mate, 100%. Like, I remember um, I was at what was the weigh-in? I was at a weigh-in at the Wembley Arena and we were talking. Um, you know, like the old heads all talking. And someone, someone asked me this do you get much shit online for having albinism? And so I said, I said, people try, but the thing is I survived it in the real world. You think I can't just turn my phone off? Like, you know what I mean? Like things like that can't hurt me because I survived it in the real world. But more importantly, I can still sleep with women that these motherfuckers dream about. (laughs) And that's a fact I can. (laughs) so let me just I'm going to take a little segue here I'm going to come all the way back to the point I'm making I remember I went to a a funeral right? guy that we all played rugby with went to a funeral and I got into it with one of the guys I used to play alongside Um, and he was upset that I slept with his ex-wife and he's like he's getting all emotional and then one of the other guys said why did you do it and I said remember when he used to call me an ugly fucker I was like, well, there you go. You know, I had to just let him know that, you know, that woman he worshipped, man, just a jump off. And he lost his mind, mate. He lost his mind. (laughs) He lost his mind, you know, but he didn't want it though. Like he, he didn't want it. And so I go through things in life. And I also talk to people through the podcast who go through things in life. And I'm like, it can't just be us. It's hard being a man. i'm gonna go spencer fear on this but it is and i'm only saying that because i find this as well it's really hard being a man because you can't really speak to your mum or your sister or your wife because they always expect you to be the person that they can rely on so you have to be solid even if it's artificially solid you got to be solid But the nature of being a man as you get older is you become more and more isolated from that core of support that made you the man you are today. So a lot of times you go through stuff and you're like, am I the only one going through this? And then you might talk to your friend and go, you know what, mate? Like, I've had a fucking shit week. Like, this thing's happened. And he's like, yo, I've been through that. And then you can have that conversation. You know, a lot of times we assume everyone's living a perfectly happy life, but they may not be. And so the only reason I do that sometimes is it pops into my head where I'm like, Yeah, I spoke to Danny or Darren the other day, and yeah, he was just talking about how, you know, as a man, he's got nowhere to turn. You know, that's why, like, I'm a real big believer that men should never stop competitive sport. Whatever level you need to get in at, just do that to be around other men because it's a source of support. I've I've preached enough about this, but (laughs) this this, the reason I talk about these things because – we've got to share the knowledge and experience we get because that's how the collective gets stronger. And I'm really big on community. I'd like to feel that if two people met and they listened to the pod, they'd get along. That's kind of my benchmark. Yeah.
0: No, oh, man, it's, um, as I say, So sort of, there are moments I've listened to it and thought, yeah, do you know what? Like it, it may be whatever you're talking about. Isn't what I've been through that day or that week or that month, but Something that relates and resonates in some way, and it's always sort of like just a little reminder that blokes. Because I don't know the demographic of your listenership, I would take a, an educated punt based upon boxing fans 90% of it's probably blokes. Yeah. Um,
1: but man, on a, yeah, si- just on a side note, hammering that guy's XY, fucking brilliant, fucking brilliant, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you know, why because he lost the house to her. Yeah, so you're in his in house, the same bed. Yes, in the house he paid for, in the bed he paid for. Nice. after all the stuff, like you know, like you gotta bear in mind, this guy was giving me shit when I was seventeen, right? And you know, when you're young, you gotta swallow it. You're like, okay, he's older, he's older. And we had a few scuffles over it, and then <laughs> <laughs> then he got kicked out of the house, right? And I, I laughed, laughed my fucking head off. And so this is, this is after I finished uni and I saw her on a night out and I was like, you know what, whatever it takes, I'm, sc- I'm, I'm doing this, I'm <laughs> doing this. And so we get talking and I say, like, yeah, yeah, really sorry to hear about all of that. No, 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 let's have a drink, man. Celebrate your freedom and all that sort of stuff. Right. So that night, nothing happens. Exchange numbers and then get invited around. And I was just like, thank you, God. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so he's always got to do that. Like, and everyone at the rugby club knows, right? So they they just rip into him. <laughs> well, I think there's there's one guy he used to play hooker for us. He's like, I don't think you want it back after he's been in there, <laughs> 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 mate. But but it, it's rare that I get that vengeful, man. Like like even with Tebbutt, like you know, I, I think we're at the point now where. It's just a bit me. I just do it now because you know, just he's, he's kick a man when he's down. Sometimes, like <laughs> I saw him at that as he's weighing, like he he his head. He didn't even want to look at me. I was, oh man! All he had to do was just apologise. He'd have been cool. I like the fact, like
0: <laughs> you've carried on that energy throughout, and when we did that recent sort of us three getting bad together, discussed it again then. It's that authenticness that I think we're so used to not having authenticness in boxing, whether that's through promoters' interviews, through fighters, not actually saying what they think, but just saying something so incredibly bland that you think you you literally cannot be that dull, but you're managing it, so well done. Um, I think that's what people like, is that authenticness that what you say is 99.9% what you think.
1: Yeah, well, um, I haven't got time to do anything else. Like, with him, yeah, he, he knows what he did. He knows. Like, he knows exactly what he did. And then he thought he could muscle his way out of it. I don't think he understood. Like, but but then I'm almost like, well, you know, if if I kicked him in the nostrils, like, it's bullying. So, let's just have some fun with it. Do you know what I mean? You no, know, it's... You know, he's, he's not as he's not as tebbit as he was before, because actually let's 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 be honest, Martin. And here here's like I'm gonna say this is one third of the issue. On New Age, we championed Rob Tebbit. We did. Tell me one thing he did for New Age. Apart from jumping yeah. on when it was convenient for him, what did he actually do? He yeah, no, it. no, I'm, there is no him. answer to that. Oops. He, he, we, we were like, yo, this, this guy here, back him. When he got sacked by Michelle Joy Phelps, we backed him. And he never paid back into that. Right? So I always had that issue with him. We're like, like, what, you're telling me you're going to run around with a camera. We do a live show. You ain't going to just set the the cameras here. Put it on a damn tripod and you can sit back down. Like oh, Jesus Christ! Do you see what I mean? Just, just that you didn't put back in. Ignore me for a second, Tebbit. Martin's your mate. You all go to Spurs games together. Well, you you ain't done nothing for him.
0: Who are... Wait, no, I'm, I'm never. He's a Chelsea fan.
1: Now, I'm sure you guys went to a
0: Spurs game together. No, nah, I've never been to a Spurs game in Tever. Sure. Who did he go with then? Nah. So, as far as I know, he's a Chelsea fan. I might be wrong about that. I nah, don't know that well.
1: But... <laughs> You'll see him in the Tottenham shirt. Yeah. Big bro.
0: ball
1: back. <laughs> For me, I'm a big believer in giving back. Like, you really think I don't have anything more entertaining to do and anything, if I wanted to be selfish than to go to a gym two or three times a week and coach kids. I could go out on the piss and have a great time, womanize whatever, but there comes a point in your life you've got to give back to something that gave to you. you just have to so when people say, "Ah, you're just bitter because tenbit's successful, how are you defining success? How are you defining success? The guy's still having to to pay for views man i i watched I watched their coverage of the Aziz weigh-in. And see what's he way and I was like, how have they both got 402 views? No, it's 406, sorry. How have they both got 406 views where they're the main protagonists? And then all these other kind of side conversations have got five thousand views. I'm like, huh? (laughs) These can't be boxing fans. Do you see what I mean? Like there's just I'm in tune with what boxing fans will watch, and the numbers don't make sense. I'm like, did you really find those rich kids and say, come and get involved in boxing just to buy like Thai fucking or Taiwanese bot farms? Really? Well, well, you know. <laughs> hey, there's a lane for everyone in boxing. So, hey, Rob, do your thing, but just know we 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 know what you didn't do. That's all.
0: How's your um? And it's been rocky, I believe, your relationship with Coogan. Like you've mentioned in various times throughout the the episodes down the uh, the years, um, I've got my own views on Coogan. I want him to threaten to cave my
1: face in. I genuinely do. Like I'm, because you know what he's like. He has a couple of Jack Daniels or a couple of Cavoissiers. I don't know what his drink of choice is now, right? And he gets brave. Joey, you know I mean? he just gets brave. Like, sometimes, he'll just tweet, like, you haven't even, it's not even related, like, I might tweet someone something, and he'll just jump in on it, like, I'm gonna get him today. And so, and so I'm like, oh, okay, where's this going? In my head, I'm like, where's this going? And so, I might needle him back just to see if he's really built for it. And I'm go, nah, that's just for social media. Then, I, then, then I'm like, okay, let's, let's have some fun. Because, you know what I mean? Like, I see him in person, and The energy is different. I mean, it's it's okay. I I respect him. And the reason I respect him is twofold. One, he's the OG of this in this country.
0: 100%.
1: Yeah? He Like, if you're going to have a Boxing Hall of Fame and you have those non-boxing contributors, I think Coogan Cassius is a first ballot guy in that list. Because, yes, you can say fight hype this, fight hype that, but Mayweather really built fight hype for them.
0: Who can put the hours and the graft and the hard, dirty work that a lot of people won't remember, nor have seen?
1: Yeah, and he still does. I'm like, mate, you're 44, 45, like, your dad you're still doing this. I admire that, yeah? It doesn't mean we have to agree on stuff. His thing with, and I, I get it, Imagine you're Coogan. You're getting the shit that I get times a hundred. Right? So Coogan's probably looking at me like, are you part of that group? Or are you part of the sensible group? And I'm like, just keep listening to the pod, man. Like I'm 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 fair and I'm balanced, yeah? I'm I don't make things personal unless they are personal. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> i don't know if we'll ever have a beer i don't know i'm not i'm not against it i can sit with anyone i could have a beer hern could text me and say mate do you want to grab a beer why not i don't have anything personal against these guys my role is to speak on the sport of boxing and those involved in it what Hearn does as a man is not my concern what coogan does as a man is not my concern i can sit down and have a drink with these guys that's the nature of boxing man the, the core tenant of boxing is if there's a deal to be done, it should always be done regardless of ego.
0: I've got two things left that I want to talk about, sure. Terry. And I realize it's your show, so me dictating what I want to nah, talk nah. about. It. I mean, fuck all. No, no, no. The fans wanted this, man. They're like, yeah, get him. Get him. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. Not even, to, uh, not even to hold you to account on anything. I'm not here to fucking hold you over anything because I agree with 99.9% of what you ever say. Um, but one thing that's intrigued me about it and we used to get the same question when we recorded together. Have you ever looked to monetize it in some way? And ever looked to either through sponsors or Patreon or whatever it may be? Uh, and I've started to see the logo in the bottom corner now of the podcast. The
1: little um grift, little grift, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. But have you ever looked to sort of oh. um, monetize it further?
1: I'd never charge for this. And the reason I wouldn't charge for this is, like, it's been pretty good and free. Like, what the hell are we gonna do to make it worth paying for? Do you know what I mean? I'm just being honest. Like, there's, you know, like if <laughs> if, if you're, let, let, let's say you're, you make the Champions League final free to attend. Like, very hard to make other games. You
0: know, you got to pay for other games. Like, well, no, nah, I get that thing for free. Nah, these games ain't the same level. And the the only way to do that which again, we go back to the new age days, was people used to ask us the same sort of thing, is to create more of it. And to create more of it is to dedicate more of your time. And when you're doing it as a one-man band, I've said it half a dozen times so far, you doing it alone is a lot of hard work in the background of preparation, planning, recording, editing, then getting it out. To do that twice as much per week, you'd need to sort of significantly see something coming back for that.
1: Exactly. Like, I look at Porky now, right? And now that he's charging, the level of accountability that he's being held to, I'm like, mate, I just sacked it off by now. <laughs> I am about to sack it off, but I admire him. He, he, he perseveres because he believes in what he's doing. For me, and I think this is probably what I will do more of going forward, let me lean on my audience. Like, I don't necessarily need money but I might need access in a non-boxing context, or I might need contacts or an intro. Do you know what I mean? Use your audience. That's the trade-off for me. Like, yo, you get the thing for free, but if you know your boss is struggling with AI and he needs someone to come in and provide some consultancy, yo, hook me up. Do you know what I mean? That sort of thing, that that sort of barter for me makes sense because – it enriches the whole. Because then, if I know what people do, I can link people together. I'm like, hold on. You need to buy this. I know a guy who's selling it. You guys talk to each other. That's when it becomes greater. That's that's when one plus one equals three. Now, how to do that is the, the million dollar question. I think there's a way to do it, but it's about doing that. But it will happen incrementally and slowly. That's the payoff for me. As opposed to the money because boxing is not that kind of sport. Like I, I listen to football pods, like um, John Obi McKell's one, which is really good. Actually. Um, there's another one called under the Kosh which is not, not quite celebrity type footballers, but footballers with interesting stories. So today I was listening to the story about <laughs> Andy Todd breaking Phil Brown's jaw. I was like, oh, Jesus, I didn't know anything about this. So, those guys can charge because if you if their numbers are believable, they're doing a quarter of a million spins. In fact, they don't even need sponsors at that point because it's sustainable. I don't know anyone in boxing that can do those numbers consistently off one, off one video because then it becomes viable and sustainable. Um, boxing, you're going to top out at about 10K. And if you've got a CPM of about 3 quid, 3.50, you're making 30 to 35 quid a video. Ah, it's nice, but you know, to do that, you're sat in a studio that's probably costing you more money anyway. That's why when I see some of these boxing shows and they're in a studio, I'm like, how is that viable? Do you know what I mean? Like, how is it viable? It's not. That's why you see the Weasels renting out their little podcast studio, right? Like, well, thanks, but <laughs> no thanks. Like, you know, uh, me, my equipment's here. Um, I've done close to 300 episodes. The equipment cost me about nine hundred quid. That's three quid an episode. It's not bad. That's not a bad ROI. And you know I mean if we get to five hundred episodes, it's two quid. So I'm not. Do you know what I mean I'm not overly concerned about the commercials on that side? What I am concerned about is you know if I can use this to to enhance my address book, one hundred percent makes sense. Do you know what I mean? But if if you're out there trying to be a tebbit and be like, well, I ain't gonna help him. I'm gonna listen to the pod, but not help him. That, that's not the spirit. That's not the audience we're trying to attract.
0: And so the message on the back of that is that, to turn it around, if you're listening, not just to this one, but any point in the future, and there's something that you think would either benefit Terry on the podcast or benefit Terry in the AI world. Or life,
1: yeah. You know, you
0: do Yeah, everything. sort of actively bring it rather than passively wait to be asked to bring it because people aren't great at asking for sort of that, that introduction that help, that assistance. And also they may not know that you can do it. They may not know that you've got those contacts and links. If you've got them, bring them, bring them to the table and it helps everybody eat to use Terry's phraseology.
1: 100%. But, but the
0: thing is Matt, and I'm not asking people to do stuff that I don't do.
1: Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Like,
0: and I know you do, and I know you do.
1: Yeah. Like randomly, there was a request, right? Someone just said to me, "Mate, uh, we need we need five boxers to do an Under Armour shoot with Anthony Joshua." I'm like, "All right, cool." And I pass the work off to 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 Carol that runs Wandsworth. I'm like, "Listen, if you can get five people to do this Under Armour thing, bang, you guys have got it." Now. I could have said, yo, cut me in on whatever they're paying you. No, it's not that. It's share, man. Help help everyone grow and hopefully like you grow with it. So that's what it's really about. Like I'm always gonna be a guy that will try and help where I can because like me sat on knowledge and opportunity that I can't maximize it's it's a height of stupidity.
0: Right, I've got one more thing before you sort of wrap up your own podcast. I've made a little quiz, right? Okay. I've gone back through all 200 episodes because you know I'm about due diligence. Yeah, fucking out. And I've taken the titles of all 200. Oh Jesus! In points, I've had to interpret them (laughs) for the sake of doing this. Now we're going to play a game of higher or lower, and I'm going to give you two. No, 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 no. Two words or names. And you've got to tell me if the second one is higher or lower, how many episodes you've dedicated to that subject or name. Okay. Shit. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to start you off a nice, easy one, right? And I'm not going to go through all of them because there are 200. But the zone, you've got four. Four about the zone. That's not bad. Amir Khan, higher or lower? Lower. Lower. Three. Yes. Amir Khan, three. Higher or lower, Josh Warrington? Higher. Four. Yeah. Higher or lower than Josh Warrington? Deontay Wilder. Higher. No, two. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. (laughs) Higher or lower? I won't go through too many, I promise you. Let's give you an easy one. Higher than lower than Josh Warrington, Anthony Joshua. Higher. Way higher. Eight, 18. Way higher. There's only one name that could go higher than that. Everything else is going to be lower. 18, Anthony Joshua. <laughs> higher or lower than Anthony Joshua, Eddie Hearn. <laughs> Fuck. Higher. No, 17. You topped out on Joshua. Good consistency between them, though. Yeah. So we'll go lower. <laughs> you know it's lower.
1: Frank Warren. Lower. That's got to be like 11. Three. How's he escaped?
0: <laughs> so this is about the titles. Now, you may well have discussed it ah, within sort okay. of the, the body of the text underneath and yeah. within the episode. So three. I'm down to my last few now, and I'm going to give some honourable mentions at the end. <laughs> Higher or lower than Frank Warren, Eubank Jr.? Higher. No, three as well. Oh. Trick question, sorry. Yeah, that was. Yeah, <laughs> you fucking <know>. hell. <laughs> Higher yeah. or lower than Eubank Jr., Denzel Bentley? Lower. Lower, two. Uh, last two, right? Higher than lower than Denzel Bentley, Terence Crawford? Higher. Four. There you go. Higher or lower than Terence Crawford? Last one, Canelo. Lower. No, six. Shit, really? There you go. Honourable mentions, Connor Ben, eight. Sky Sports, six. Fury, six. White, four. The heavyweights, generally, three. Lomachenko, two. Boazzi, two. Jake Paul two. Joshua Usyk, two. Kell Brook, two. Tank Davis, MTK, Joe Joyce. um and uh, two. Hey,
1: but you know what? The MTK one.
0: Underrated episode. That's a sleeper. I actually listened back to that one earlier today, again, in part of my uh, preparation. You better not snitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally what it's called. The one. It's like, don't talk about this episode or something. Uh, yeah, something about Ben Davidson and the Yard, Josh Taylor, Ben Shalom, Lee Wood, Sandy Ryan, Phil Martin. Um, yeah, some like, Mick Carney, yeah, that up. recent one, Alicia Baumgartner, Fulton Inu but what also struck out to me reading through it all and i haven't touched every name in there not by a long way is the broad width of what's been covered names people subjects broadcasters uh, promoters managers all of it man like just a huge like thank you and well done and like i genuinely mean that to like to do all of that and cover all of that and all the different angles is insane. No, no, I appreciate it. And it's just, after a while,
1: you just do it, right? Like, you do it because you want to do a good job of it. You know, it's interesting you, you, you came up with that quiz because what I'm trying to build at the moment, Martin, is um, an AI model, right, or machine learning model, really, where I ingest all of the pods and it just transcribes all of them, right? And then start doing analysis, right. how many times did I mention Josh? How many times did I mention her and I start to really pull that out and then overlay that with like, okay, what was really driving the numbers then? Do you know what I mean, overly complicated way of working out, you know, where to grow. But what I don't want to do is I don't want to chase the numbers as opposed to I just want to create moments. And if the numbers come with that, it's great. It shows that I've kind of captured the moment. I know the minute you start chasing numbers, and this is the risk the minute you start chasing numbers, you lose your soul, yeah, because yeah you yeah, you don't do you don't do what's in your heart, you do what's right for the numbers,
0: again you get back to new age days, like my interest was always chatting a bit about small hall boxing, doesn't it appeal to everybody, yeah. sort of there might be moments where people skipped over what I chat about with it, and I get I understand why people wouldn't have any interest in it, but I did. So I'd still sort of chat about it. And uh, actually it opened up some really interesting conversations about the weeks and months and periods of time where it's shit as a product. Yeah. And then it sort of, you know, it goes through roller coasters. It's up and down. And, uh, yeah. But it was always an interesting chat.
1: But you see it now. You know, Steve's, Steve's got his chest puffed out again. He's He's seeing the future. Why? Because, you know what it is? It's because of what I talked about before. People got in ears and said we can do better than this guy can. And they went, Yeah, I guess you can. And it didn't turn out that way. And so they've had to come back. And this yeah. is a lesson people need to learn. Don't don't believe what you can't verify. Do you know what I mean? Like and I hear this all the time. Listen, I can get you get you a deal with Under Armour, right? That's what they'll say. But no one ever says, because you know what? When you're a young boxer, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. You gave me a deal with Under Armour. Cool. But how much? How long for? You know? That's why people don't like me in rooms, because I ask really obvious questions. Okay, cool. You got a deal. What are the numbers? Ah, well, we're still working on those. Why are we having a meeting? What happens next time? Yeah, don't bring that guy, please. Yeah, just come on your own.
0: (laughs) Right, I'm going to have to wrap it up there because I'm no,
1: no tired. Yeah, we've, um, we've done a stretch. But
0: again, it's an honour for me to be asked to do your 200th episode when other people would be equally and better qualified to do so. So thank you and thank you again yeah, for mate. your hours of input for us listeners. Mate,
1: there's more to come. I promise you there's more to come.
0: Awesome. <laughs> mate.
1: No, thank you. A pleasure. They'll never have seen that, by the way, because this is audio. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we, we take that to the grave. <laughs> that was me making NTK gang signs. Mate, there's only here. Yeah, they're the only gang left in this game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, mate, appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, you're welcome. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah. Hey, we need to sort out. Are we doing, we're going to do May again in, in, in MK?
0: May would be perfect. Perfect. When that sun starts coming out, and we can sit out. Hey, that's why i had to bring
1: the hat up. But we'll
0: definitely do that. Yeah, mate, we've got to do that. That was fun. Um, Get the hat, yeah,
1: yeah. End was stronger than the, the end was stronger than the beginning, though. If I'm being honest, so so we need to we need to find a way of getting to that point earlier.
0: <laughs> we can nail that down, don't worry. <laughs> I can't believe that's mate.
1: Was made. it? Was, it was. It was around about. It was around about that time. I can't remember. Yeah, it was yeah.
0: Been, yeah, no, we'll get it in the uh, in the diary, man. In fact, perfect. I'll send a message through after this and uh, we'll yeah. get something starting to be sorted. No, nah, perfect. Before diaries fill up. Okay, no, let's do that. Top, man. All Terry, right, you thank you care. very much, man.
1: No, appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Appreciate Bye. you, dude.
1: Take care. Bye. So it's worth noting that it's about 1.20 at night as I edit this and wrap this up. Um, that's dedication for you. But I didn't think we'd go more than two hours. We went more than two hours. Um, I think some of you have probably listened to this in chunks. And that's, that's all well and good. And uh, as I said, the support's always appreciated. I'm still trying to find my voice and trying to find my levels again. So bear with me if the audio is not quite where it was. We're going to get there. But for me... I think the key thing to say heading beyond 200 into 201 and beyond is let's really focus on building a community. And one of the things I want to say is if we can help each other in any way, we should help each other because I really want to make sure that one plus one equals three when it comes to what we do because it's easy to just do a podcast and you know throw it on YouTube and maybe monetize it, but that's not a legacy. A legacy is people you bring together, people who help each other. And as long as there's sort of value in that, then we've won, but personally, glad to get it done, I'm glad that, you know, that was the episode that came out, and we will see what the subsequent 100 episodes bring, but keep supporting, um, you know, stick together, and the most important thing is, guys, you know, let's just try and be good people, and on that note, I'll say take care.